Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Rise and shout at Guggen's Go Time on a Tuesday morning. And Catlin Chuck Accessories Tuesday. Thanks for being up and Adam with us as we grind you through a holiday week. Hope it's a short one for most of you. Hope you at least have Friday off. You can get together with your buds, your family. Watch those Jags and Jets on Thursday night. Sleep it off on Friday morning. Hopefully. Hopefully you'll be too excited to sleep after another big Jaguars victory. That's what we're hoping for. It's an interesting time of the year. And I kind of chuckle last night as we derived this narrative from the Packers beating the Rams that Packers keep their playoff hopes alive. And you know, I'm sitting here thinking six and eight and third place in your division. And then I realize, well, we're six and eight and our playoff hopes are alive. We don't have an 11 and three division leader ahead of us. Now, the ship has sailed on the Green Bay Packers, hasn't it? I mean, that's a meaningless Monday night football game last night. It played that way. Gosh, that's ugly. Did you see the Christmas Day games, by the way? I haven't. Oh, man. What a stink fest, dude. We got screwed on that one. Now, I guess when the season started, it looked good. First things first, you lose perspective a little bit when your team plays on Thursday. What a great week for us to play on Thursday, by the way. We caught a break from this standpoint. Christmas Eve is Saturday, and that's when all the NFL games are this week. They're on Saturday this week, not Sunday, which is Christmas. But isn't it nice to have the Jags put to bed by the time we get to the holiday weekend? While you're running around scurrying family from point A to point B and opening presents and putting out Santa's cookies. You won't have to worry about all that. The Jags will hopefully have already put a win to bed this uh, week earlier. But while the majority of the schedule plays on Saturday, the NFL had scheduled three games on Sunday. I call it the NBA death blow. Anyway, now, game one is, is at least got some local interest. It, it, had a, it was a bigger deal when the Packers started this football season, but they've proven to be a mediocre at best football team. So the Packers at the Dolphins, 1 o'clock on Christmas Day. Okay, that's not terrible. Then you ready for, for these two, buddy? You ready? Broncos-Rams. Ugh. Oh. I can't, you can't even get fantasy football excited about that. Man, I know the flex is reserved for Saturday night, and I know the Rams are the defending Super Bowl. But shout out, by the way, to, to the fight in Jalen Ramsey's, who now have guaranteed themselves the worst record in the history of the NFL when it comes to a defending Super Bowl champ. Yep, heard that. Yeah, you can win with all that talent, man, but I imagine that locker room's an absolute mess. It's The chemistry in there has just got to be atrocious. You don't have a bunch of good human beings doing their thing in there. They've had a lot of money squabbles. They've now overpaid the roster. Rams fixing to get really terrible. I... Hey, NBA, you might get me from 4.30 to 7.30 on Christmas afternoon because Broncos-Rams 4-10, and 4-10 and 10 is basically an unwatchable pile of trash. The night game, not much better. The Cardinals host. Oh, it just goes to show you that the NFL season and, and when we look at schedules, how borderline ridiculous that is, right? When the NFL put out the schedule for Christmas Day, I promise you they weren't looking for dog with fleas. They were looking for Russell Wilson visiting the defending Super Bowl champs. Broncos Rams had some cachet to it. 
Now it's two four and ten football teams. Packers Dolphins. If one of these teams was going to be in the playoff hunt and and the other wasn't, you would have assumed it would have been Green Bay. Uh, look, they did win last night. I heard Aaron Rodgers talking about making the postseason or, or, or still trying to keep those hopes alive. Aaron, you're the reason the Packers stink. It's you. It's your fault. Your stupidity and shenanigans in the offseason. Will you or will you won't come back. Running around bragging about doing hallucinogenic drugs. You are why they are 6-8. and eight. Don't kid yourself. Anyway, but the Packers are 6-8 and eight at the Dolphins 8-6. and six. And the Dolphins, by the way, better figure something out here quick. Three losses in a row now, all on the road. We'll see if they settle the the waters, uh, so to speak, in these last few games. But anyway, you got a 6-8 and eight and 8-6 eight and six in that one. Not exactly what the Christmas Day schedule makers had drawn up. And then the real uh, coup, de, the, the coup de gros, we'll call it, rather than coup de gras. The coup de gros will be the Sunday nighter on NBC, where if you want to watch football, you're forced to watch the Yuccaneers and the now talent-faded Tom Brady take on maybe the most repulsive team in the NFL right now. If there is one team, football team that you do not want to watch, I would suggest it might be the Arizona Cardinals. Of all the teams, of all the doormats in the league, the Cardinals are maybe the hardest watch of any of them right now. But that's 6-8 and eight and 4-10. and 10. Not to beat up any further on these football teams, but it just goes to show you the ridiculous amount of energy and projection that we spend when the NFL schedules come out and who's a good team and who's not. Because I basically have five bad teams and one decent one playing on Christmas Day. I promise you that's not what the NFL had in mind. As to the Monday Nighter last night, yeah, just a reminder that Baker Mayfield is what Baker Mayfield is, please. Thank you. Right? We had the feel-good last week where Baker Mayfield, you know, signed with the Rams, played with him a day later, led him to a victory. You saw, you know, their head coach celebrate like he had won the Super Bowl, had been that long for the Rams. But right back to Baker being Baker and the Rams being the Rams last night as they fall at Green Bay 24-12. to Baker Mayfield, 12 of 21, 111 yards. The Packers' defense uh, gave up less than 200 total. 156 yards, I think, allowed. Uh, more than enough for Green Bay to win. But the Packers um, frittered all their chances and hopes away early. You do look at teams now late in the year. You try and find those that are surging, those that are falling. The The Jaguars, by the way, it'll be a matchup of, of opposite directions when they take on the Jets. The Jets suddenly have lost three in a row. Seven and seven. Their backs squarely and firmly against the against the wall as they host the Jags on Thursday night. I mean, they have to win, but so do the Jaguars at 6-8. and eight. They've won a couple in a row. You look around the division, the Jags have won two straight Titans, four straight losses, man, from just guaranteed playoffs to, uh-oh. Colts have lost four in a row in dubious, poorly coached fashion. And then there are the Texans who, quite frankly, may be the... <laughs> Look, Tennessee has to play Houston in addition to, you know, the Jags playing Houston. It's very well possible that the Titans end their season with seven straight losses. Obviously, they play here to finish. They play Dallas. They play Houston this week. Certainly no, certainly no gimme. 
The Houston Texans, I would argue, are playing just as good as the Titans. Where is that game? Let's see what we got here. I mean, the, the the Titans, I mean, could theoretically lose the rest of them, couldn't they? Sure looks like it. Uh, Saturday, it's the Texans at the Titans, so they do catch a catch a break in there, but one and twelve at seven and seven, and the Titans just a touchdown favorite. I'm not sure I'd lay it now. It it will help that they're at home, but their quarterback situation now is is a complete mess. Malik Willis is being forced to play at the the most daunting time of the year as they come down the stretch. The NFL gives some fascinating scenarios. Teams get hot, teams get cold. I mean, you look at the NFC and what the Detroit Lions have done. Won three out of row, uh, three in a row, six out of seven. The Lions need to be over in the AFC, though, where it'd be easier to contend for a wild card spot. But they're just, I believe, a half game out now. We'll see how they finish. They they're at Carolina. The NFC South is a total cluster. The Bucks are six and eight. The Panthers, Saints, and Falcons are all five and nine. The Falcons have lost like seven games by one score. I mean, they are so close. I bet you. Really, all three of those teams can make some argument that they're close to being the division leader. The Bucks are six and eight. They're terrible. Brady's terrible. I mean, he just is. I, I mean, this it's time to hang it up for sure. Whether or not it was worth the cost of the busted marriage, I'll leave that to Tom Brady. But this is what you came back for. And I'm not buying some of the passes that are given. That offense is is intact. And it's pretty clear that we talked about this a few weeks back. It's pretty clear that Bruce Arians' influence is greatly missed there. And as you can sometimes do, you can you can under and overvalue parts of your organization based on how other parts are performing. And Bruce Arians clearly was a much bigger part to the Bucks' success than he was given credit for, apparently, through those years. Although the Bucks are going to win the division, they'll be a quick one and done. They're terrible. I mean, they're just terrible. Uh, the the 49ers have a seven-game win streak. The Eagles have won five in a row. By the way, we may see Gardner Minshew this week. Jalen Hurts is, well, that, hurt. So we shall see. So just some some interesting nuances to the NFL season. And uh, last night's Monday Nighter closes this week of action. So just three games left and some really important ones around the league. None more important than what we face here, right? None more important than those Jags and those Jets. All right, when we come back, I got Jags news. Personnel-wide, it's a big loss. But at least what we saw in a limited window on Sunday, perhaps a loss that's manageable. You can't, in most places, lose your franchise-tagged player who ultimately got the deal. And starting... And, and starter at one of the three or four premier positions on the football roster, typically you can't lose that guy and not suffer. Not sure that's the case with the Jags in that position, and we'll go in a little bit more depth on the uh, heels of terrible injury news yesterday. Also, one big-time element to the game on Thursday that we really haven't gotten into too, too deeply and, and we'll dive into, into that pool when we come back on the other side as well. It's a big week, really, for, for our local football interests. The next couple of days are real big for the future. For the Jags, it's the immediate future. And can they keep 
playoff hopes alive, but for your college interests in what has become the wild, 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 wild west. We're on the eve of National Signing Day, which you know used to be you signed at the bottom of a scholarship offer. Now it seems you're signing the endorsement on the back of the check. But some of the percolating storylines just 24 hours out from uh, recruiting classes being assembled. The Gators need some some juice, man. They need some positivity. I, I'm 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 nauseous from the football product that we saw this year. I'm really really dismayed at the lack of anything that Billy Napier did grabbing my attention and making me go, wow. I think that's important. You know, I'm not saying you got to run triple reverses. I mean, I'm just saying the, the game management, the in-game calls, the decisions. I, I can't think of a wow, wow, great call, good all year. And I don't care what kind of roster you're playing with. You're playing with a roster good enough to beat Utah and South Carolina which means it's a roster that is good enough to not be six and seven. And at the end of the day, the new head coach at Florida with all of the progress reportedly being made in the other areas, coached his football team 13 times and lost seven. That's what gets you fired, asked Dan Mullen. Ask, ask, you know, Butters, McChompers. Ask any of them. It's year one. We're not, you know, in, in any way. Uh, saying that, that 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 is you know a problem and I and don't misunderstand because you can in today's day and age you can take an inch and and just you know expand it into a mile real quick with things that people aren't saying or thinking or doing or acting on and no way is this a oh gosh Florida's got the wrong guy no but it is a I, I need a pick me up I need Grayson McCall through the transfer portal, the quarterback from Coastal Carolina. I need a top. I need a couple of signing day surprises that go Florida's way and a top five recruiting class. I need something because the on-field product combined with the roster, combined with seeing nothing that made me excited about Billy Napier as a game day coach this year, has me down in the dumps as a Gator fan. Maybe my pessimism is lower than yours or others. Mine is rock bottom low as low as it's been between football seasons as I can remember. I mean, my, you know, relationship with the University of Florida goes back to when I went to school there in the mid-80s. I don't know through Galen Hall or Gary Darnell or anyone else in between if I've ever felt more blah and pessimistic and less excited about the future on field immediately, you know, immediate future, as in next year, about as I feel about this one. Help may be coming in the recruiting classes. They are young freshmen. They ain't going to show up next year. Uh, we have been a, a mass exodus loser when it comes to the portal. We apparently aren't playing the NIL. I keep saying we. The Gators apparently aren't playing the NIL game right. So you know, I, I know there's plenty to be said for the, the CEO and the big staff and the buttoning up recruiting and all these uh, program, you know, architecture. I, I get it, but I don't see any of that on Saturday. I see scoreboards that say 30-3 to three against Oregon State's what I see, and that matters to me, maybe not to everyone else. Come back, talk Jags next. Catlin Truck Accessories uh, Tuesday. We have moved Get Smart John from tomorrow to today, so we'll be doing that coming up at about 725, just a little mo- more than an hour out, and the reason for that is simple. We, we have... You know, tomorrow is signing day. 
And we've got we're going to push Doring back to the seven o'clock hour. We're going to keep our uh, eyes open to any you know recruiting news, especially if it goes against the the grain of what we've been hearing. Um, and we got some other uh, you know either recruiting or, or normally scheduled Wednesday stuff tomorrow. So we're going to move Get Smart John back to today. We're going to continue with our Fred Taylor you know Hall of Fame promotional tour. We'll continue doing that uh, this week, uh, efforting Sal Pal Antonio, our buddy Sal Pal, friend of the friend of the program. It'd be, I'd like to talk to him too. He's a big Doug Peterson guy, man, and what he called is starting to really happen here at the tail end of the year. And uh, Sal Pal, so so gracious uh, with us, and such a good dude, one of my favorite guys. So uh, hopefully we can corral him about both the, the Jags here as they, I think, have turned the corner. They have turned the corner towards becoming a good football team now. Whether they can make up all of that deficit from you know, struggling at times this year uh, for this season will remain to be seen. But, you know, as I've stated, you know, go ahead and and get your playoff tickets for a year from now. We'll have a home game because the Jags are winning the AFC South next year. If they win it this year, we may just rattle off four, five, six in a row. Just saying. Jag talking more when we return on the Catlin Truck Accessories Tuesday. Rocking you back in on the Catlin Truck Accessories Tuesday. Uh, stop in this holiday season. All accessory needs and more over 100 years in business. My friends, my brothers over at Catlin Truck Accessories. You know, you... I think ideally you mature with age as a sports fan. And I just mean you don't get so... Polarized in what you think. You look at things more rational. I mean, when you're a young sports fan, your team is the best. Whatever they do is the best. Doesn't matter if logic or facts are pointing in your face, right? Which is awesome in and of itself. It kind of replenishes sports fandom for sports fan bases. I don't understand the Florida side of this Miami ass whipping that's going on right now. You can call it what you want, but Cormani McLean, a five-star, most thought would go to Florida, went to Miami, Sampson, uh, Lala, he is the uh, pancakes, big offensive tackle, could have really used him in Gainesville, chose Miami over the weekend. Uh, Mark Fletcher is a you know a top running back. Now, they have Trayon Webb from here in town, and, and they're loaded at the position next year with, with you know, Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, but Fletcher, as you heard in Donna's Gator Report, chooses Miami. This is happening in, to some regard because the Canes are paying. And the implication out there is that the Gators are not. I don't know the ins and outs, the nuances. I don't know the, I can't separate total fact from fiction. But if Florida is sitting around twiddling their thumbs because they're either above or not comfortable with the way prospects are getting paid, then Billy Napier won't last long. He'll give you a few eight and fours and he'll be fired. You got to play this money game while it's being played. Are you going to sit here with your thumb up your rear? If you have players that would prefer to play for you and you're letting them go to Miami because they're getting X amount more, shame on you. What have we heard about the University of Miami for decades they don't have the money 
right? Don't have the money for their own on-campus stuff. They don't have the money to change a coach when they need to. They don't have this. They don't have that. And this cat, this John Ruiz cat, this booster, this lawyer has stepped in and he's just writing checks left and right. Now the check writing stops if the team doesn't win, but we're early enough in the process that Miami right now has emerged with the kind of recruiting class that Billy Napier needed. Top three. This just in. Miami doesn't have to bang helmets and compete with Georgia and Alabama and LSU, Tennessee, and year in, year out. They get to play most years the sisters of the poor. I'm sorry. The ACC is what it is. Didn't threaten that. I mean, Clemson has been the only team with any legitimacy at all for five years. So I would suggest that Miami, with a number three recruiting class, has a fa- if they're coached well by Mario Cristobal, and verdict is still out on that one, as it is with Billy Napier, the Canes, as bad as, as the Gators were, the Canes were worse. But it hadn't slowed them down. It hadn't stopped them. And if you're looking for reasons, it's not just that Florida is getting outworked or out-recruited by Miami. They're getting out-dollared. It, it, for... A guy with, quote, the vision is he into the future of what college football is and how it needs to be run. You better not follow Nick Saban's the NIL is bad routine, buddy. They're loaded. They don't need NIL, yet they still pay more. That's the dirty little secret, Alabama. But Billy Napier, if you're cut from that cloth, you better play that game, son. Florida's recruiting is not terrible. It's whatever. 8, 9, 10, by the way, is going to get your ass beat every year. Your top rivals are ones and twos and threes when it comes to recruiting. Not easy to recruit back-to-back six and seven seasons, but Miami has been terrible for years. They got the number three recruiting class. It's not all by Cristobal's charm. It's by the NIL money that they are unabashedly winning to sp- willing to spend, and good on them. That's how the game's played. I don't know what ivory tower we're sitting in down in Gainesville where you think the power of the brand is going to put you in the top five. You should be spending more than ever. Florida's number one commitment in these first couple of years to get back on track was to raise a billion dollars. I don't give a damn. Pay pancake five million a year. What do we care? There's no rules. You may as well do it now. It's going to change. This just, there's, there's, it's going to change. They're going to make them employees. Things are going to change here with this NIL. This, this, this little window of just buying whoever you want is going to close at some point. And Florida, it seems, refused to play. Andrew Spivey covers the Gators for Gator Country on top of all the recruiting uh, scenarios that are out there. And he's reached that conclusion as he told Hacker after dark last night. You got to step it up. Obviously, you know, Cristobal's not going anywhere. A lot of kids nowadays are looking more at NIL, more so than results on the field. So, you know, if Miami continues to be poor on the field and their NIL is good, it's probably still going to lead to a lot of prospects coming to them. You know, does it turn into a disaster like it does Texas A&M where you have a locker room full of problems? Uh, That I don't know. You have got to step up your game in the NIL game in order to compete with Miami. Well, that's a, that's that's fair. It's kind of reiterating what we just said and the implication. I don't look. We're not sitting in the, the the war room, war chest meetings in Gainesville. The implication is they're not doing that. 
you cannot at the University of Florida in this little time frame that Billy Napier has stepped in with Georgia and Alabama continuing to play, in Georgia's case, the best the program has ever been. In all the years of football, they've never been what they are now. They've got the number two recruiting class right now. Alabama is one. Clearly, you're going to be competing with Miami in-state and out for prospects. And right now, they are winning with three five-stars and the number three overall class. And and between the commitments and a slowing down of, of results for Florida, they've fallen all the way to ninth. I say all the way to ninth because in the context of what you are trying to become and compete with, ninth stinks. It may as well be 19th. You're not making up ground on the big boys, on the playoff uh, participants with the ninth-ranked recruiting class. Unless you have a guy who just amazed you with his game-day coaching, and we've been through that. Billy Napier, the opposite. D-plus as a game-day coach in year one. So I don't know where the directive is coming from. I, I know this. Florida has more booster money. This has always been the word, the big boy in state, than any of them. How are you getting outspent for players? How? College football right now is a wild, wild west bank robbery, and you're not the sheriff if you're an individual college football coach. You're going to hop on the wagon train and play along, or you're going to get left in the dust. If these, those two five stars who very much like Florida, McLean and Pancakes, just those two, and Florida would be third in recruiting, and Miami would be seventh. And that hurts more when the narrative is that just based on fit and where they'd rather go without the huge money, which changes minds, they may have settled in on Gainesville. And if you're allowing that, as he just said, results on the field, the, the, the beauty of the locker room, the coverage you play in, they all take a back seat to 450 large, as they should. I don't know if, if high school players should be getting a million dollars to go play. You know, you referenced Texas A&M, and they, had, they spent all that money last year. They had all those picks, and, and they were terrible this year. They got no, you know, bump from them yet, so obviously we kind of attach this, oh, well, it must be very tense in that locker room because of all this money. I, I don't know if that's the case. I do know that when you're six and seven, and you lost to Tennessee, Kentucky, FSU, Georgia, Vanderbilt this year, that the number nine recruiting class won't do jack. Will lead to, from four years from now, another eight and four, unless we start to see some sort of game day coaching management wizardry, which we did not see at all this year. And that's the end of the unless. Unless that, recruiting the ninth and 10th ranked recruiting classes to Gainesville is going to leave you on a great year, 10-2, and two, and going to the Citrus Bowl. And nobody is going to be content with that. All right, here is the deal 
that isn't being talked about enough when it comes to, before we go there, I just want to hit something. Florida average player rating is right on par with Bama, blah, blah, blah. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It's rationalizing. You can trust me on this. Average player rating aside, they're ninth. So don't give me your average player. The highest average player ratings Florida had two, three years ago, guess where they are? In the transfer portal. What are we doing now? You guys get into these analytics too much with recruiting. You need stars, man. You need a number three pick. When Urban Meyer was winning it all, he was going and getting top five players. Y'all are crazy. You're not doing it with your best recruit is number 34 nationally. Not, not to the level you want. So if you want to wrap yourself up in blue chip ratio and, and average player rating, knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. You'll be disappointed. Trust me. This is like my 58,000th signing day in a row. And then we won't go back. I And and so, you know, it, you, you got FSU killing it in the transfer portal. You've got Miami uh, outbidding in the prospect. And it's probably not completely fair just to say it's outbidding. I don't know for sure, but it, it certainly is the impression that you get on how Miami's recruiting class is coming together. So, you got to... You know, I'm t- y'all, y'all can stick with this. You wrap yourself up in this blanket of we got this many four stars and this many that and leave out all of the warning signs that I just said. And the next year on the, the text line, you'll be screaming bloody murder. So uh, just just word to the wise. Florida better finish with some top players. Again, uh, zero five stars. Oklahoma 2, LSU 1, Texas 3, Notre Dame 1, Ohio State 1, Miami 3, Alabama 3. And you need top guys. You need the best player at his position. Florida's not getting any of those guys. They're getting a bunch of guys about like the guys they've been getting. Now they're getting more of them. My, my biggest concern, and I know they went through a lot, but, you know, he it, Billy Napier did walk in to a quarterback who everyone says is going to go in the first round. And they went six and seven. They went six and six with him. I'm not putting all the blame on the quarterback. Uh-uh. No way. I'm putting some blame on a coaching staff that never got the most out of him consistently. So it's the D-plus, I, I will admit, the D-plus season in-game coaching grade that I give Billy Napier could be transposing itself just a little bit onto, um, onto what we're seeing you know, right now. All right, now uh, to the dirty little secret of this week's Jaguars game. And, uh, you know, not necessarily a secret, but maybe something you haven't moved on to yet as you, uh, you know, get the lay of the land on what the Jaguars will face in New York. And we'll get into some of the the on-field realities. The Jets have a very good defense. It's going to be tough. But how does this grab you? At kickoff, 47 degrees, pouring down rain, a weather forecast that includes this cautionary tale. Watch for flooding on streets and poor drainage areas. It'll The real field temperature, because you see the wind will be blowing 20 miles an hour. 
The real field temperature is 32 degrees. The Jaguars, as far as what the weather dictates, may need to win a game 17-13. Can they? Can they do that? This defense has... When's the last time they held someone into the teens, even? They shut. They, we got a shutout. I know. I, that, and I said the last time. That was yeah. September. <laughs> right? Yep. I mean, they've given up at least... Tw- I don't know if you give up 20 if you win. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to affect the game plan. I, I do know that Walker Little we is going to have to step in at left tackle for the rest of the year. So... You know, for all of that hand-wringing, why do we use a second-rounder on Walker Little as you emerge into a contender? This is why? Because you've lost your franchise cornerstone tackle in Cam Robinson, torn meniscus. Now, we'll meet with Doc Murphy, say the Jags do make a playoff run. Could he be back by then? I think that depends, and, and he'll know better when we talk to him on Thursday. But for now, it's Walker Little's job. Listen, let's don't forget, Jawan Taylor came back into the game, but he strained a hamstring. Hopefully, that's okay. It's short week. But it sure would seem, with that kind of weather, 20 miles an hour wind, rain blowing sideways, it sure would seem that throwing the ball is going to be a little more difficult than it's been these past few weeks. And throwing the ball is what's gotten the job done uh, for the Jaguars on this little streak that they're on. We will look into what that weather means, how it transposes itself onto the game on Thursday night, because... It matters where teams rank against the run, the pass, turnover margin. Those things, I think, play more into effect when there is a weather event. Not weather, weather event. And blowing sideways rain 20 miles an hour, hard, not a rain, like a pouring rain, certainly is a weather event that can affect how things work out for the Jaguars on Thursday. And uh, we, we've we got a uh, talk from inside the Jaguars locker room. Josh Allen, you'll hear from this morning. You'll hear from Doug Peterson this morning. You'll hear from Zay Jones this morning. Man, what a, what a, gosh, a gift from the football gods uh, Zay Jones has been. We'll see if the Jaguars can keep it up. We'll talk about which of these teams is better prepared to handle that weather mess that we're going to have as we keep moving along this morning. We had Monday Night Football last night. That and more with the football fix when the drill returns on a Catlin Truck Accessories Tuesday. I want to address it. it. It came up because it was texted to me over the text line. I can't disagree more strongly with this, this context. And I do understand that this differs from my co-host, Dan, and some of these, because he said some of these same things to the naysayers about Mike White and basketball, and that is this. If you're not giving money, you can't complain. That's horse crap, man. From the text line, Jeff, do you give to the collective? If not, don't complain about Florida recruiting and not paying enough. That is the dumbest, simplest thing I've ever heard. Do you think that Miami's NIL... Success is coming from fan contributions? What planet did I just land on? I have people out there that think that if you're a Gator fan, let me ask you this. Do you complain about the play calling? Well, you shouldn't. You're not in the film room. Do you complain about the the game this weekend? Well, you shouldn't. You're not a season ticket holder. 
Do you complain about free agency? Well, you shouldn't. You didn't go to any of the workouts. The NIL is not working and booming for teams because they have man-on-the-street GoFundMes? That's silliness. So you damn sure can complain, just like we complain about every other aspect of sports that we in no way have direct ties to. The Florida Gators' NIL success or failure isn't based on Joe Fan's contribution. That is an idiotic idea. I'm sorry, it just is. And this is what this is how this guy. This is what I I. This is what my superior intellect ET has to put up with. <laughs> Sit behind your microphone and bitch while you do nothing. You are. I, I don't know what to tell you, sir or ma'am. I really don't. You think the answer to the recruiting problems is me writing a check to Florida? You will never get it right, man. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's the stupidest thing I've heard all day. And I hear a lot of stupid things. The NIL success is not based on some guy sitting at a zip code in Florida writing a check. What are you even talking about? So, to answer your first question, do I uh, contribute to the collective? If not, I can't complain. Do you pay my salary? If not, don't offer suggestions on what I can and cannot think and say. Touche. It's dumb. You're just dumb if you think that that the Florida NIL is where it is because the generic fan base isn't putting money in it, then you don't even understand what flipping planet college football is on. You just don't. That's just dumb, man. Miami's one guy, bro. This Ruiz cat. Alabama, it's like Golden Tide boosters. It's not Billy Joe in Huntsville. So, yeah, I will sit behind the microphone and complain that in the big boy world of college football where Florida's trying to play, the Gators aren't playing the game like the big boys. And you can sit there and come up with your little sassy little insults and your epiphanies that, quite frankly, are stupid. So, knock yourself out, man. So, I I will sit behind the microphone and complain about what is a complainable topic. You, meanwhile, scratch out that $50 check and send it to Gainesville. See how that, see where that gets you. Go ahead there, big boy. Mr. Contributor to the program, write him a $75 check. Merry Christmas. See what that gets you on signing day. Hey, man, just no logic, dude. You know what's terrible? And it's hard sitting here, but it will happen. Where you just get stuck on a thought and you can, you know, you throw your barbs and you never ever get off of it or realize, well, maybe that's not right or maybe I am wrong. Not enough people do that on this text line. <laughs> that's just wrong. It's just you're 1,000% wrong. And if you think that's why the problems are there, just don't tell your friends that because you just look even more wrong if you just go spreading what is completely inaccurate. And go to the top, by the way, because we have, you know, we have gone to the top of the Gator Collective in the NIL. And the issue is not because Mary Beth in Hastings didn't send $40 out of her paycheck this week. You don't think, (laughs) you got to play the game. You got to cycle the booster money through the organization, back out through the booster money. You got to launder it and you got to pay it. You got to do all those things. That's what the big boys are doing. Or, or not. 
and take on the 10th ranked recruiting class based on your, by golly, recruiting, you know, diligence and hard work. <clears throat> Maybe the text line guys think Jeff is an oil tycoon. Thank you. I mean, these NIL classes aren't being funded by the generic fan base. So what a stupid insult to text me so early in the morning when I'm off to such a, a hot, jolly start. <laughs> Fire up the band. We got a football fix, uh, E.T. Let's uh, give you some of the news and notes real quickly here. Monday Night Football last night. Yeah, that Baker uh, Mayfield, that woo, good feel. <laughs> that good vibes tour didn't last long, just one week. They were uh, The Rams were awful last night in Green Bay. And the Packers are 6-8, and eight, holding out hope uh, for, for a playoff berth. Uh, yeah, got to win all the games and have a lot of guys lose a lot of games. They lost this season earlier in the, in the year. Things are looking up, Aaron Rodgers said. No, what's looking up are the Packers at about eight teams in front of them in that playoff race. Jalen Hurts has a sprained shoulder. Uh, it's kind of looking like he might be doubtful to play against Dallas this week. And Hurts, backup, you may know, have heard of him. He's Gardner Minshew. Uh, John Harbaugh not talking about coaching changes on his staff. This comes amid some criticisms. Uh, the Ravens have now fallen out of a first-place tie. The Bengals red hot with six in a row. Uh, Baltimore, meanwhile, is nine and five. The Ravens stretch includes Atlanta and Pittsburgh at home. And by the way, we're all just jumping for joy over this flexing that will happen for the Jags Titans. Yeah. Cincinnati Baltimore play the last week of the season, probably with the division on the line. So if you think little old Jacks Tennessee is going to get flexed in favor of that one, um, uh, sorry, think again. Robert Sala, Jets head coach, backing Zach Wilson, who slams the instant coffee era. Well, coach, I mean, you can slam, you know, the, the critics all you want. You're the one that's changed quarterbacks three or four times. So it's a natural to wonder about Zach Wilson when you have benched him for like a former fifth rounder. Uh, that makes that a relevant topic, I would think, the rest of the year. Uh, Chargers cornerback J.C. Jackson, who is on IR, arrested in relation to a, quote, nonviolent family uh, issue. That was back in the Boston area. He played for the Patriots for a number of years. Meanwhile, former Patriots great Willie McGinnis charged with assault with a deadly weapon. He allegedly battered a man in a, in a nightclub. Happened at the Delilah nightclub in West Hollywood. It was back on December 9th. Multiple witnesses say McGinnis was in the lounge, then accused of partaking in an assault on another man at the club. TMZ has, has shown the security footage where a man appearing to be McGinnis can be seen repeatedly punching the alleged victim, then later retrieving a bottle and using it to hit the man again. You start swinging bottles, man. You're you're leaving uh, a lot of your argument on the table, right? Willie McGinnis is 6'6", 280 pounds, man. He's a BSH. If he's beating the hell out of somebody with his fist, something tells me the bottle wasn't necessary. There, there, listen, maybe you saw some of the pictures and memes going around yesterday. The officials, it's just a crisis. It has been... And if I'm the commanders, I'm ticked off too. I mean, they were down eight, driving to score. They had a pass to the end zone against Curtis Samuel. And there's a still shot of the Giants defender literally bear-hugging him from behind with the ball six yards away from him. How do you not call that interference? 
You had the Terry McLaurin where he literally asked the side judge, am I cool? Yes, you're cool. And then they throw the flag on him. The, the Patriots. Keelan Cole's out of bounds. I'm sorry. I just don't know what the hell you guys are even looking at. Just so many bad calls. The, 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 the Vikings game. You blow the whistle. when you, you call him down by contact when the dude literally never even fell to the ground. He, he fumbled it standing up running. So Ron Rivera asked about the controversial ending in the commander's loss. Don't ask me about the referee. And I, I don't blame you, coach. Every one of these dudes should be fired and just start over. Most consecutive games played was a record that Brett Favre held in Green Bay. This doesn't seem right. It's now been tied by Mason Crosby. He's a kicker. That's Football Fix. You're welcome. We're going to go inside the uh, Jaguars locker room, uh, share some of their comments ahead of the big game. Short work week coming up against the Jets. For now, that's Football Fix. Brought to you by Allstate agent Mandy Bowers and Mandarin Home Life, Business Auto, and more. You can bundle. You can um, a la carte. You can... For sure, get the very best coverage, very best relationship you're going to get out there. That's with Allstate agent Mandy Bowers. In Mandarin, we turn toward the 7 o'clock hour on a Catlin Truck Accessories Tuesday. So, a foyer Aluakan leads the league in tackles. 156, didn't he? Either led the league or was close. This guy's a tackling machine. Yeah, he led the league last year. Yeah, they needed him along the way. The Jags and... The Jets will hook up Thursday night in what looks like will inevitably be a, a just a cold soaker of an evening. The rain is 100%. It's supposed to be coming down hard. They've got flood, like local flood warnings. Uh, the winds are going to go between 15 and 25 miles an hour. It's going to be brutal conditions. So which team is going to be able to handle those? You know, when you start wondering about that, what, what do you think about with the bad weather first? Ball security? That's the first thing I think of. Yeah, that's I what think I of think. Philly. That's it, a, I just think of the Philly game. Yeah, and we had issues with ball security late in that one, right? Trevor had a couple of, of, of fumbles in that one. So, yeah, you think about uh, ball security, you know. Um, now, uh, not just the fumbles, but controlling the passing game with the wind blowing should you have to. Now, the Jaguars have given away, okay? They're, they're positive in, in the margin, which is awesome. They haven't been that, but at plus four, that's tied for six in the NFL. They've done a good job. It's been a, a good couple of weeks. But when you speak to ball security, of all the even bad teams in the NFL, Jaguars have lost 11 fumbles. Only one team in the whole NFL has lost more than that, the, the Colts with 13. That's an issue. The Jets on the other side have only lost seven fumbles. Now, overall, they're upside down in the turnover ratio. They've thrown 11 interceptions. They've given up seven fumbles. So both the Jets and the Jags have given it up 18 times. The difference is the Jags have taken it away 22 times. They forced and taken away 10 fumbles. So, you know, ball security, and we've seen Travis Etienne now struggle with that. More than once this year, fumbles have been an issue. He lost one in two of the last three games. And you would think with the wind blowing sideways and the cold, wet weather, you would think that the passing games would be minimized some. That would seem to kind of play back towards the Jets' uh, favor. But the Jets' running game hadn't been great, man. And they went and got the, the James Robinson trade. Looks like a win for Jacksonville, except for the part 
where he's not going to get that yardage bonus, which is going to make our draft pick better. James Robinson's been a big disappointment in New York. They've worked around him with a variety of different personnel issues. When it comes to running the football, the Jaguars are 127 a game. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Now, I will say that 10th in running the football is a little better because number one is Chicago. What do they get? Quarterback yards. Two is Baltimore. What do they get? Quarterback yards. Three is Atlanta for most of the year with Mariota. Quarterback yards. Four is Philadelphia. What do they get? Quarterback yards. Uh, Nine is Buffalo with Josh Allen. Quarterback yards. So if you take away those teams that have four or 500 yards rushing from their quarterback, it, it would be Browns, Giants, Cowboys, Niners, Jags for traditional running of the football. The Jets, meanwhile, have struggled. Uh, they lost uh, Brees Hall was their their first uh, was the running back that came in the draft and was doing off to a very good start for them. The Jets are only running for 107 a game. We know what Zach Wilson is, which has been uh, inconsistent at best. So that might tend to play in the Jaguars' favor. You offset the fact that the Jags give the ball away more by the fact that they also take it away more, so maybe that's a wash. How about when it comes to stopping the run, though? See, that's where it gets another element involved. The Jets aren't great against the run. Their their defensive line is getting a lot of kudos that the Jets are really better against the pass than they are against the run. Against the pass, Jets fourth best in the league. Now, Dallas was even better than that, and Trevor lit them up. With a clear, calm condition, I don't worry about the Jaguars' passing game. I don't think we should. Between those three receivers and Evan Ingram, they have attacked the the best defenses these last few weeks, and no one has seemed to be able to stop them. The weather, however, may. But when it comes to rush defense, the Jets just okay. They're down around 10 or 12. The Jaguars and Jets, pretty similar. Jets give up 112 a game. The Jags, 118. So, what? A couple three yards uh, carry of, of distance. The Jets scoring defense, though, you know, really good. Fourth in the NFL, just 18.8 a game. The Jags can't say that, 23 and a half. But, you know, these numbers seem so slight. But over the course of a season, they matter. You know, you look at stats that matter, and they usually coincide You know, look at scoring defense, San Francisco 1, playoff team, Buffalo 2, playoff team, Ravens 5, playoffs, Eagles 6, playoffs, Cowboys 7, playoffs, Bengals 9, playoffs. In fact, of of the serious playoff contenders, teams that are actually going to make the playoffs, Lions, Dolphins, Chargers, the only defense is allowing more points per game than the Jags. Hopefully they can... Uh, help with those those odds and those numbers and those stats coming up. All right, let's revisit a little bit from what happened over the weekend and let's 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 point forward uh, to the Jets game up on the short work week. And we'll start with uh, Josh Allen. We'd like to see more numbers. Tony told us that Josh played great though on Sunday, really impacted the game. And uh, Allen is impressed with the way this football team has handled adversity along the way. Let's continue to grow. And I think Trevor has continued to grow, mature. Like he's so mature for a second-year player. And for him to come here and step up and play the way he's playing, even after he fumbled the ball, it was never – it was a 
let's get the ball back to him. Let's do what we need to do, and let's get the ball back to him. We did what we needed to do, we gave the ball back to him, and they did what they needed to do to handle the, uh, handle the game. So Zay Jones has been the most pleasant surprise, perhaps, in Jaguars free agent history. I mean, when you look at Zay Jones, has been in the league five, six, seven years before he came here. His maximum year as a as a player in all those years doesn't compare to where he is now with three games to go. It's been he's been a big part of the success the last two weeks in particular. And this came after a dreadful game against the Lions. And you know, he, he even talked about yesterday that coming back strong, you know, from injury and the Lions game are important to him. Winning on Sunday kept the, you know, kept the train rolling. Uh, you don't have too long, though, just to, to dwell on uh, that victory. Not with the Jets coming up Thursday. I said October was spooky, and but December and, and November and December is where it counted. And playing good football right now, I just want to keep the same approach that we've had. I think Doug's done a great job of giving us the entire outlook of, okay, what's the rest of the schedule? But we still keep it one day at a time in focus. And so that's just where our approach is going to be. As great as yesterday was, it's a very, very short week, and we're going to play a very, very good team on their home turf. So our preparation is going to be expedited just a little bit with the short week and um, excited for another opportunity for us to, to continue to grow as a football team. Man, it's exciting to have a football team that's playing these meaningful games, isn't it? Man, that was such a big game on Sunday. To watch them answer and beat the Cowboys. The previous home game, they did the same thing against the Ravens. What a, what a, just what an awesome Thursday night this will be, hopefully. To be able to watch your Jaguars in prime time and it really, really matter. Man, if the Jags emerge with this victory on Thursday night, buddy, you're going to, you're going to see, you're going to see people now really realize, hold on, Jags win these next two and they win the South. They may be considered the favorite. I would not be surprised if on Saturday going against Malik Willis, if the Texans didn't win in Nashville, the Titans are dreadful right now. Daniel's been beat up. He came back in the game. He may or may not play, but it's certainly uh, endowed. And the Texans play pretty good defense, and they've hung tough with two really good teams the last two weeks. So I would not, it, as I also would not put it out of the frame of context that the Jags better be careful going to Houston against a team they've lost nine straight to. The bad news yesterday came on the personnel front, and it's it's Cam Robinson out probably for the year. The diagnosis is torn meniscus, so you know, it was probably minimum six weeks. I've, I've had that injury and that surgery. I am not, however, a top-flight professional athlete, so I may have limped around for months. Who knows? Um, what that means is the second-rounder, Walker Little, is going to get really a big chance to be put uh, in into focus here. Jawan Taylor's contract is up at the end of the year. Would not be a surprise at all if Walker Little is penciled in as your starter at tackle next year. What a... What a dress rehearsal this might be. Uh, Tony Baselli had not looked at the film yet specifically when we talked to him yesterday on Breakfast with Baselli, but by the eye test during the game, sure seemed like Walker Little was playing very well. Head coach Doug Peterson has has confidence in the second-year guy. He's always prepared, number one, and he went in there into some some adverse you know, conditions against those uh, those two edge rushers and, and did a nice job. You know, So we got a lot of confidence in Walker. Um, and uh, look forward to, you know, getting them in there and getting them going. All right, this is now a little bit more big picture, right? But, I, gosh, you, you eat this up when you have emerged from the trash dump. We've emerged. 
We're not completely showered and clean and dressed to the nines to continue with our journey, but we've just been buried in a, in a trash fire at a landfill. We finally climbed up through the milk cartons and the banana peels and poked our chin up out from underneath the rubble. Is it safe to come out? It is. That, that wave has turned. The record hasn't caught up yet. The you know playoff possibilities aren't aren't just obvious. But you know this is a big picture project that has completely turned. It's not going back. This team won't go three and whatever again for a long, long, long time. And we're very quickly, by the way, going to change our standard around here um, as well, which is also an awesome thing for a football program. You know, we've asked Doug Peterson along the way about the playoffs, the P word, the playoffs. What do you tell your team? Do you do you use playoffs as a motivator? So, asked again yesterday, come on, Doug, are you thinking about that postseason now that you control your destiny, so to speak? You know, I, I'm not thinking past Thursday, <laughs> quite honestly. Um, you know, listen, this is a – we got a good football team that we're going up against Thursday night, but anything's possible. I understand that, you know, and – what we've done the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's just, it's two games, you know. Um, still got a big, big road ahead, two division games ahead. But uh, if we continue to improve on what we've done uh, here in the last month of the, of the season, then I think I think it's possible, you know. But again, um, we got a really good football team Thursday night that uh, uh, defensively, one of, the, one of the better defenses in the league and, and uh, you know, quarterback yesterday threw for over 300 yards so um yeah we got we got to work it out for us coaches don't like to use and think in context of must win like we do that all the time as fans and media must win you got to must it must win or it's over um so even though the word must win may not have flowed off the uh, coach's lips listen to his answer about Thursday night's game and the importance you know, you have to get it done Thursday. I mean, this is a good football team. One of the, you know, teams that's still competing, too, for postseason and, and everything. They have a lot to play for. We have a lot to play for. You know, it should be a good football game. And so those are the, those are the messages that I got to keep putting out in front of the team, you know, and let them understand that this is what meaningful football games look like, you know, against really good teams. And, um, you know, we just got to prepare ourselves that way and get ready to go. Just gave us the definition to a must win especially this late in the year. And he kind of said had to win um, a little bit earlier, but they do. I mean, I guess theoretically you could lose this game and then hope Tennessee loses to Dallas, but you, you just don't give away your momentum. Don't even factor that in. Even as a fan, we need to win out. We need to be nine and eight and finish the season with a one hell of a role, have a home playoff game that they could very well win and really set a strong foundation and base moving forward to enter the Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen realm of every season possibility. Seems like we're close. One job has been accomplished. I'll say that. We can quibble about the semantics, and uh, Tony and I have referenced it going back and forth about learning to win. I mean, I, I if this is now due to, quote, learning to win, okay, whatever. You know, it's not making mistakes. I Trevor Lawrence learned to not throw the force the ball into the, you know, into bad situations, and that's led to more victories. Is that Trevor learning to win, or is that Trevor learning to not make certain plays at the NFL level? I, I guess it's six in one hand, half dozen in the other. But from the get go, there was one job that Doug Peterson wasn't embarrassed to say was an issue when he took over here. 
and he used a word which I thought was a little bit dramatic, but he is a lot smarter and better football man than I could ever, you know, hope or claim to be. But he used the word healing, right? This team needs to heal. And part of healing is culture. And a part of culture that you just can't afford because once it gets in, it's hard to expunge, is losing. We know what a losing culture is here, gang. We've seen it in every aspect of a football organization. That losing culture and the goal of eradicating that, that work may be already done. Our job is to, is to change culture. Our job is to you know, promote a winning culture and a winning atmosphere. And, um, you know, it's, it's obviously it doesn't, it doesn't come overnight. It's not a quick fix, as you, as you guys know. And, you know, I think, I think what the players and the team have done this year in four games um, – to go two and two, you know, when trailing 17 points is, is huge. It, it, it shows us and shows them that, that, that we're flipping this culture and this narrative. And you can't worry about the past, obviously, but, but we can learn from it. And, and it's, it's really good to see that the guys have they've bought into that. Yeah, just pull yourself out completely now from the dump. Brush yourself off as best you can. Go home and take a shower. That losing culture we've been buried in here for a lot of years uh, finally is, has been – eradicated we, we brought in the, the the you know pest control and they've rid that ugly bug that we have carried around for two decades which is just loserville baby and that's not where we are right now more from doug peterson later as we move through this morning uh we've bumped get smart john from tomorrow signing day to today so that'll make today uh stump day and john will join us next i'm gonna play etn today i'm gonna have a little fun with it uh and also give you a chance to be a winner so stick uh, stick around and, and look forward to that as we continue to move through this Tuesday morning. It's Catlin Truck Accessories Tuesday. You're listening to The Drill on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we uh, appreciate his uh, flexibility in addition to his aroma. Let's get smart. John backs it up today for us. We've got signing day tomorrow. we got a bunch of stuff scheduled. Chris Doring's going to move to the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, so we appreciate John. John, you're not off this week by any chance, are you? No, I'm not. Yeah. So I just got the workout really short. Oh, well, that, well, the, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Well, that's so, um, your, muscles, very quickly, your muscles appreciate us then. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, because I was in Washington last week and we still did it, um, shout out to Abby Harrell and shout out to uh, advertiser and uh, friend of the program, many programs here uh, on 1010 would be Craig Dewhurst. Okay. So, shout out to those guys. And they missed a perfect game last week with a question that I know you would have gotten correct, so I'm going to ask you Dang, this right now. Why you got to bring up old okay. stuff, man? Because, because if Jeff had been there, I think you would have gotten listen, it. Oh, we definitely would have. Well, listen, with, with all due respect, it, in the entirety of the pressure is now staring straight at me to start this week's Bonanza. So let's see. I've just now been okay. told by everyone Jeff will definitely get this one. All right, here we go. Uh, okay. Uh, state Capitals. Okay. What is the capital of West Virginia? Oh, come on, man. It's Charleston. Okay, well, they missed it. Yeah. What'd they say? Correct. <laughs> we said nothing. Did you not say anything? We drew a blank. What? Yeah, we just, and that's what kept them from a perfect Charleston game. Charleston is one of those state capitals, and not all state capitals are like this, but if you drive through southern West Virginia there on, I think it's 77, Interstate 77, it's got one of those gold tops on it, like uh, kind of like Atlanta does there as you drive through <clears throat> that downtown. Okay, never been so, there. Okay. You're right. We would have had a. We would have had a. Now, it, I lived in West Virginia two different stints as I was growing up. So, and they may have mentioned the fact that you lived yeah. there, so that probably would have like 
Well, one of the happened. coolest things that Mr. Tennessee ever did. He needs a trip. Way back when, in the early days, but he had he had some business, and I actually lived in Bridgeport, West Virginia, and went to. We called it junior high. I think it's now uh, like most has switched over to middle school. But back in the day, you went seven, eight, ninth grade to junior high, right? You didn't start high school mm-hmm. in ninth grade a lot of the time. But anyway, so Tin goes and finds Bridgeport Middle School, and he makes a big poster board, and he attaches it to the you know the brick and mortar sign outside, home of Tin Tin XL's Jeff Prosser. <laughs> That's great. I used to have that picture, but I think I've changed phones a couple of times since then and lost it, but. All right, I like Shout it. out to Mr. Tin. That was cool. Yeah. My parents. Okay. Yes, right? You know who gets a kick out of that? Your parents. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, U.S. history. All right. On the first U.S. flag, the 13 stars were arranged in what shape? The 13 stars were in a circle, yeah, weren't they, circle. E.T.? Yeah. yeah. Circle. Yes, they were. Yeah. All right. Very good. Science. 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 What bird can beat its wings 70 times per second and can fly backwards. The hummingbird. Hummingbird. Yeah. A lot of hummingbirds in Florida and you uh, if if you it's cool put out one of those little feeders. I bet just about anywhere in Jacksonville Science. if you're not living downtown in a loft, you put out one of those little feeders and you're going to end up with them. They will come, you're right. That's Ooh, a tri- yeah. that's a tri- the good Lord has put a lot of trippy little organisms organisms on this earth, hasn't he? For sure. There are a lot of trippy sure. animals. Like, For sure. I'm, I'm sitting there on my back porch the other day watching this poor woodpecker. Now, how would you like to be born a woodpecker? That dude just <laughs> that sat. Central. Dude, he just sat there for, I'm not kidding you, an hour at least. Cluck, cluck, cluck. <laughs> I mean, and you might, you know, if you're a woodpecker and you you're look to the sky and there's the eagle soaring. Why? Why can't it be me? Yeah. <laughs> or you could be a fly that has a short lifespan anyway and then what do you spend most of your time you go fly around poop so well, anyway there's truth to that too that's, <laughs> what that's some of real life in context yeah, yes what 2014 film about a cyborg police officer is a remake of the 1987 film robocop right robocop yeah, yeah. Never knew they redid RoboCop. I don't think I saw the first one, even though it was very popular right right in my you know le- uh, early twenties mm-hmm. wheelhouse. The first one was good. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Who was that actor uh, that did that? Um, yeah, that's oh a gosh, I can... yeah. Peter Weller. Okay. Peter Weller. Yep, yep. Okay. I think about that's it. That's a second. fair trivia question that I would never get, but the name that as you say it uh, jumps out at me. Okay. Um, world history. All right. In World War II, what B, like boy, what B word, German for lightning war, referred to an intense military campaign intended to bring about a swift victory? This is good because, as I've said on this program many times, I'll often fall asleep watching, like, American Hero, watching boring television in the background. So I've seen World War II in color too many times to not know that the correct answer, John, is Blitzkrieg. That is correct. Yes. Very good. Okay. I think I may, maybe I should be the adjunct professor and teach like world history over there at UNF. Huh? Or maybe state yeah, capital. Perhaps. I could teach state capitals. Hey, I need to take that class. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, business. Business? What, business? Yes. Okay. What multinational corporation is the parent company of Band-Aid, Tylenol, and Janssen Pharmaceuticals? Um... What was the first one? 
Band-Aid. What multinational and, and, okay. corporations? And that Johnson and Johnson company. That's the first. Yeah, Johnson that's and Johnson. I, that's I'm what I would have guessed. That's Band-Aid, I think. That is correct. Ooh, almost said Procter and Gamble. That is correct. Very good. Okay. Um, colleges. Okay. The main campus of which university is located in Logan, Utah? Well, Logan, uh, uh, it's not. Uh, Utah is in Salt Lake, so Logan must be Utah State. It must be. Yeah. That's where it helps to be a sports fan. Yes. Like, you'd never, okay. you never, if you're not a sports fan, how would you ever get a question like mm-hmm. that? Like where, you'd have no context to So, where, where's BYU? BYU is in Provo. Mm. Yes. Very good. Uh, food. Glorious food. Maybe it's, our- by the way, I think I've eaten brain food today. I've had two boiled eggs and, and an apple. I am so ready, by the way, to ditch this this torturous, you know, dietary intake plan I've been on. I am so ready to eat a bunch of just terrible stuff, but okay. I maintain for now. All right. Well, the holidays. Uh, scallions are also known by what colorful name of onions? It's a green onion. It is. I don't like uh, scallions. Uh, Do you? You guys like uh, wild onions, Vidalia onions, scallions? Oh, I love Vidalia onions, yes. Yeah, I, I do like Vidalia, I know, is not a green onion. But don't, with Vidalia, sometimes you eat that green stalk a little more than a regular? No. No, no, no not that. It's not strict. that part of but it. The no. Vidalia, is it just like, what's the Vidalia? Is like more of a teardrop smaller onion? Is that a Vidalia? Or is it a big? No, it's a regular size, okay. but, it has, but the Vidalia is sweeter. It's sweeter, right. It definitely is. I'm not a huge onion guy, but it's one of those deals. This is fascinating. Like any of you young cats out there listening, whether you're, you know, uh, like school age or early 20s, it's amazing how your food taste will change. Like there are things right now you will don't eat or don't like that, you know, fast forward a couple of decades and you will. It's weird. Except, it is. That's true. Except for mayonnaise. Never, ever, ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Correct me up. Um, Time for a couple more. Okay. Uh, music. Manilo! Hey, that was pretty strong, Excellent. actually. Dan who? Hicken original. <laughs> yes. In Fleetwood Mac, what is the first name of co-founder Fleetwood? Uh, this should, I, I should know. Man, yes, you should. I, I don't know. Freddie Fleetwood. No. Oh, it's, uh, is it Mick? Is it not Mick Fleetwood? Are you asking or telling? I'm telling. I don't know anything else. Mick yes. Yeah, it is. That is correct. Oh, yes. Nice. That's kind of a pull for me. Yeah. I know that's a famous name, so get off yes. my back. Okay. Get off my back, people. I'm trying. All right. Okay. We, I believe we're going for a perfect score here, aren't yeah, we? You know, I mean, you go ahead. Okay. You can be the announcer. I got two outs in the night. You tell me I'm throwing a, a <laughs> right. I'm fine okay, with your it. last one. Your not, last one. It's not going to affect whether or not we get it, E.T. But, uh, no, I think you will get this. Oh, well, good. Okay. Animals. Have we had what you would consider any hard questions in this, John? Do we have questions that people actually miss? Or when you get them right, you just feel like they're easier than they are? Uh, no, occasionally, no. Occasionally, you, you will get some yeah. that, that my shows will, the majority will miss. All right. So. I kinda, I'll kind of claim like a double header perfect game because of the Charleston answer. Yeah, be sure and share that with Hick, okay? Okay. Wombats, yes, wombats and dingoes. Are animals native to what country? The dingo ate my baby. Right. Isn't that where you automatically go? And yeah. that would be? Yeah, the, uh, that's Aust- Australia. It is. victory. There we go. Very that's nice. Who needs, Good job. Yeah, who needs the extra brain power? Thank yeah, you, you would have had back-to-back perfect games if you'd been there last week. Uh, that 
That makes me feel even better about today. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you, John. Appreciate your flexibility. Merry Christmas Christmas to you two and uh, all of your family. And that goes for any and everyone out there. We'll double, triple, and quadruple down on that as we take you through this holiday weekend. What a great time of year. It's made even better by the Jags remaining in contention. If you think I've emptied the Jaguars notebook, you are incorrect. So some of what's percolated between Sunday's win and and today, no longer just a – you know, a day off, day of rest. We got a game on Thursday. What does this short week mean? We'll hear from from Doug Peterson and some of the players on that. And as I mentioned, the Jaguars notebook includes a major, major injury. But it seems as if the Jags will be in good shape uh, when it comes to that end as well. I know you look forward to ETNs on Tuesday. We are going to have a little audience participation with with. Uh, today's Um, we're gonna have a little fun with ETN but it's not gonna be like a total joke either so um, you are gonna have to rely on my creativity and passion for that that's coming up in about a half an hour keep it where you got it it's a Catlin Truck Accessories Tuesday on 1010XL 92.5 FM oh Uh, my man ET that's producer extraordinaire has come back with a football fix I mean with a Pop quiz music. What's going on? Who's quizzing me? Oh, your boy. Oh, your boy. Okay. All right, man. So what do we got? What are you? What are we dealing with here? Dug up a little something. And I just here. was feeling so smart after Get Smart John today. I, I, I cleaned up your mess from last week. We went undefeated <laughs> today, I'm celebrating a perfect game, and just boom, it's right back in the fire. All right, let's go. Let's right, play. I got you, fam. All right. So, our Jacksonville Jaguars have played in forty. Primetime game. Wow, 40, huh? Uh-huh. So, Jeffrey. How many have they won? 18. They won eight, 18 and 22 in primetime headed to New York. Okay. Headed to New York. All right. So, Jeffrey, my question to you is, uh-huh. <laughs> can you tell me, can you tell me what, can you name those 18 games that they won? So, eight, so it won't be 18 teams because they've beaten some teams more than once in primetime. Like, they've beaten the Steelers in primetime three or four or five times, I think, through the year. So I don't know how many different teams it is, uh, but of the 18, I would say there's probably some carryover. Can you tell me how many individual different teams it is? I'd say it's probably more like 15 maybe. Um, Let me see that. Yeah, yeah. We'll do that as I – oh, this is interesting. The Jacks haven't had a a glorious – you know, primetime slate of late. You know, a lot of these wins, a lot of these opportunities came, you know, back when the team had its heyday from 96 to 99. You know, I can I, I know they've beaten the Steelers a number of times in primetime. Freddie Taylor had that, that record-setting game at Three Rivers at night. We beat him here on the block field goal where, where Coach Cower almost punched Chris Hudson. We beat him here with Jonathan Quinn at quarterback one year. So, this we've beaten the Steelers at least... At least three of those 18 wins have come against Pittsburgh alone. We've also been through that divisional stretch where between Indy and and Tennessee, we've we played a number of primetime games. I'm sure we've won at least one against each opponent. 15 games. 15, 15 different teams? 15 teams. All right, I'm going to go Steelers. Steelers is correct. Hold on, let me get... All right, um, I'm going to say that we beat the... Uh, I'm going to say we beat the Colts in primetime. Colts? Oops. Hold on. Maybe not. <laughs> Did we not play them with... with um... All right, hold on. I don't want to lose yet. If we did, 
Well, we lost on Monday up there. I thought we played the Colts on a Thursday night or here in Jacksonville at one one year. Maybe not. All right, all right, let me go. What? Yeah? Nope. All right, forget it. The game's not over. We're playing more. I mean, I refuse to give up that way. Never beat the have we we played him in primetime a few times. All right, all right, let me go back in history, man. Let's go back in 95. We had one primetime. This is way back. I don't know. Uh, we played the Packers and lost. Year two, I'm pretty sure we played Seattle in primetime and won. Uh, we've beaten the Jets in primetime before. Brian Barker had like a 95-yard punt in that game. Um, uh, let's see. We've had um, we've had our shares of uh, successes. Um, let me pull up this. Let me just pull up the. Uh, let me pull up just the teams that are in the NFL. So this will. All right. Uh, let's see. In prime time, we've. I'm pretty sure we beat the Titans in prime time here one year. All right. Um, no, no. Um, did we win that? Didn't we win? The, I can't remember which of these two we won. I think we beat. Did I beat the Ravens in prime time with interim coach Mel Tucker? Or did we lose that game? We may have lost that game. The chart. Uh, all right, let me continue. All right, I said the Jets already. Yeah, you did. All right, we beat uh, in prime time. This is harder than I. Um, it's harder than I remember. It's hard to recall that many prime time games. To be honest with you. Um. Oh gosh, I, I can he- I I can hear y'all screaming at me through the I can hear you screaming at me through through the through the radio. I can I can feel that. Alright, I'm gonna say that we beat uh, We beat the Giants back in the day in primetime. Um yeah, we lost that one. I'm just God, boy, the years are running together here. Uh, we we did that year in, in I said Seattle already. No, I, I can't do that. I I did we not beat the Broncos here in prime time one year. I'm dinging. How many have I got? Man, I feel like I'm running I, out I of haven't been writing it down. All right, I don't know if this is true. I'm just guessing that along the way we've. We played and beaten. Have we beaten the Texans in prime time? All right. Okay. All right. Let's go. Um, didn't the Bills come down here on a Thursday night with Rob Johnson? And we beat him, or did we lose that game to them? We may have lost that game, by the way, in like '98 or '99. I think we beat. I think we beat the Dolphins in prime time. Um. Oh, I got to be getting close. All right, let's go with. Um, oh, oh uh, the Bucks. We beat the Bucks. We beat. Uh, we beat the Bucks, and yeah, and the Dolphins were. Yeah, we beat the Bucks. Um, did you say the Ravens? Yeah, I said the Ravens. Okay. I missed that. Is that a no? No, no, no. You did. No, that's that's a that's a good one. Okay. All right, that's enough. Tell me what else is on there because I'm I'm losing track with what teams that I've said. I I think I've gotten. Uh, most of them, but I had a loss early. so Yeah, well, I didn't even write them down. I'm trying right. to go through. Well, just go through and tell me who they are as you go down the list. Doesn't matter if it's a repeat or is it too hard to... Yeah, it's too hard. I got too right. much going it's on. It's a bunch going on. Well, that's fair. Then. All right. Um, Figure out those so I match real quick. Yeah, I like it. Well, let's see if they can improve to 19 and 22 this week. This is such a huge game. And it, look, there's something else here that matters. 
who will be more ready for this huge game. I, you know, I would think it would be the Jaguars from this standpoint. There's some continu- continuity going on here, right? The offensive personnel has been in play. Trevor is on the rise. The Jets have had to bounce back and forth between quarterbacks. They've had injuries at both receiver and running back. You know, the Jets are, are, are you know, their they're, they're coaches being, answering questions and getting feisty about who the quarterback pick will be. You know, there's a, there's a little more discontent. There's a little bit more uneasiness up in New York um, than there has been here. Uh, and the short week matters. I would think if you've been pretty buttoned up, then you know, advantage a little bit to the Jaguars on a short week only because, you know, the Jets have lost three in a row. The Jags have won three out of four. These are two teams going in a different direction. So important for the Jaguars to keep that sharp focus. So important to continue to embrace the opportunity that they have and the fact that there is no room for error. Doug Peterson, Jaguars head coach, on playing on a Thursday night. Challenge, you know, um, number one thing is to, to get healthy, you know, and, and get as get as many guys um, ready to go as possible, you know, for, for a short week and a Thursday game. But guys are, um, you know, obviously excited from the game yesterday and, and uh, got a lot of energy today. So uh, that's a good start. But, um, you know, it's this is more one of this is one of those this is one of those weeks where it's more mental, you know, as far as understanding the game planning and, and knowing your role and your job and and um, and then he let the physical, you know, happen on Thursday night. All right, from a player's perspective, Josh Allen, gosh, it'd be nice to get him going down the stretch, right? Josh Allen has every everything about Josh Allen you love except for the lack of numbers. He's a good locker dude. He loves Jacksonville. He's a, he's a positive guy. He's a try-hard guy. He's an effort guy. Everything except when you go all the way to the right and you look in the column of sacks and you just... You need your guy. You need your guy when you get to that sax column to be sitting here right now with 11 and a half or 13, right? And we just have not gotten that, um, you know, out of Josh Allen. We haven't gotten it in a year. I guess the first year was he a 10 and a half sack on. It's his only double-digit sack That's it. season. And, and you know, certainly Calais Campbell on one side has not been the same as having Trayvon Walker on the other side. But, you know, he's come close had pressures. He finally got a another sack this weekend, but he played good. He affected. The Jets are a disaster, man. Here's where the Jags can capitalize on Thursday. Get after Zach Wilson. Confuse him. Keep this, this streak of turning the ball, turning the opponent over, going. That has been so huge. These last two weeks, we won the game on a pick six. We got back in the game on an interception. We turned the game at Tennessee with turnovers. The Jets are minus in turnover differential. The Jags are positive in turnover differential. And the push and the effort and the pass rush on a quarterback who struggled, who it will not take long for the fans to completely turn on, that's going to be that's going to be Im- important. I mean, for sure. So, here is Josh Allen from the player's perspective on what it's like with such a quick turnaround. No, we got to get back to work. We got to start from scratch all over again. Uh, sure, it's a you know you know when they say when you lose you gotta have short term memory. It's even like that when you win. Uh, you know this is the feeling that we want to get used to. Uh, so it's how quick can we prepare? Especially now with and Coach Peterson's preached before the Titans game. We have 15 days. We have 15 days. We have three games in 15 days. So the sense of urgency has to be picked up, and this is just the third game of that stretch. 
I see a lot of guys in here early getting their bodies back right because of the sense of urgency that we put on ourselves beginning beginning of the week. So, all right. Um, look, as to uh, the Jaguars' injury situation, obviously Trayvon Walker did not play. By the way, did you see Kayvon Thibodeau's game the other night? No. How do you do? Oh my God, dude! Isn't it crazy. He had before in the first quarter. He had two tackles for loss. They tried to run reverses with Samuel. He jumped on both of them. He had a sack, strip, recovery, touchdown. <laughs> now he's coming into his own a little bit what up is there. His numbers like I don't know. I'd have to look. I don't okay. think. I think he's probably sitting three or four sacks, but okay. it seems to be coming on strong late. Now look, we've we've had our guy. He had a play like that against Tennessee, right? That he sack did. strip was big, a big part of it. But we haven't seen it consistently. We've only seen him flash really a couple three times this year. Uh, right now, he's you know he's he's on that injury report. Um. Look, quarterback Trevor Lawrence didn't practice yesterday. Uh, boy, the lack of practice really seems to be killed him the last two weeks, doesn't it? That just goes to show you where Trevor is. That's another indication, right? He can sit out big practice days and just be uh, spot on when you get, get those mental reps. When you get to game day, uh, Trayvon Walker was limited yesterday on the on the uh, practice report. Andrew Wingard uh, linger uh, uh, limited. Chad Muma limited. Uh, Brandon Sheriff, who gutted through an abdomen injury, no pun intended, and and was able to play last week, did not practice. I would imagine they're just getting him right. Uh, Jawan Taylor, suddenly it's very important, right, uh, that we have Jawan Taylor. If you missed the news yesterday, Cam Robinson gone for the year. They'll count on Walker Little there. Uh, Taylor was at least uh, able to practice on a limited basis. Uh, yesterday, Foley Fadakasi left the game the other day with an ankle injury. He did not practice uh, yesterday, if you look over on the Jets' uh, side of the ball, you know, the question is going to be at quarterback. Mike White was limited with a rib injury. Um, Robert Sala got a little bit, you know, persnickety about the quarterback spot when he was asked about it, which I really don't understand. When you bounce your quarterbacks back around, it's a fair question for the media. He defended Zach Wilson yesterday, though. Has not given him the starting assignment, though. I, I don't we want Zach Wilson to start? Absolutely. Yeah, over Mike White. Mike Absolutely. White's been better, but he's still being evaluated with fractured ribs. You know, there's an inference that he prefers White over Wilson, but then he gets a little testy. Salah quote: "The frustrating thing is that this kid is going to be a good quarterback, but the NFL and this new instant coffee world that we're in just doesn't want to give people time. So we look at him, and he's just nitpicked with a fine tooth comb." Well, guess what, Coach? Our guy down here was, too. And what is he right now? A top-five quarterback. Elsewhere from the Jaguars, a notebook. Let me just empty it out here. Come back and play ETN. We're still going to get hectic today, by the way. Um, I mentioned Cam Robinson's going to be done for the year. Puts a lot of pressure on, on Walker Little. We asked Tony Baselli yesterday about Walker Little on breakfast of Baselli, and he hadn't taken a good, hard, you know, grading look at him, but seemed to do well on Sunday. Look like that to us, right? You don't hear your guy's name being called either because he's whipped for a sack or because he's committed a penalty. The assumption on the offensive line is that he's uh, played pretty well. The Jags are opening as one-point underdogs versus the Jets. I think it's moved to a to a pick uh, They are activating a six-round pick, Gregory Jr., to the active uh, roster. He spent the first 15 weeks on the practice squad. This is the kid that we took from Waukita Baptist. <sighs> I roll emoji. I'm not sure you're doing it right if you're scouting a Waukita Baptist and drafting players from Waukita Baptist. It's the first player who's ever come from Waukita Baptist. I did, by the way, the research on Waukita Baptist. They do have some famous alums. Maybe we'll get into that at some point. 
uh, later in the week. But a junior, a cornerback from Waukita Baptist, has been activated. Um, and by the way, Rayshon Jenkins, you want to talk about the difference in the culture, the difference in the mindset, the mentality. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins was asked what the difference is between last year and this year, and it was a one-word answer. You know what Coaching. it was? Coaching. Uh, here, here. One quick call from uh, Brian, to, uh, from Brian on the Fair and Fair phone lines. Then we'll step aside. We're going to come back and we'll play ETN with a twist. And it's not a total stupid gimmick, so we'll let you play along as well. Uh, it may be stupid, and it may be total, and it may be a gimmick, but it's not all three together. Brian, what's up, my man? Hey, what's up, Jeff? I don't know what happened to my phone yesterday. Oh, I don't know. I did have to call back, though, because, you know, after the pandemonium in the stadium yesterday, and then you had uh, when Trevor fumbled that ball, the Dallas fans in the stadium just started acting so stupid towards all the Jaguar fans. And I was like, fellas, there's three. Yeah. And that was probably the most pivotal moment when Trevor fumbled that ball and those Dallas fans were just like pounding their chest. Hey, we won the game. And and then to come back and us win the game, it was just it, it was just so great to see all those Dallas fans just totally demoralized. I mean, it was just. Well, it's the other it side. It's the other. Awesome. It's the other side of your of your home field. You know, going through a takeover, and it's happened with a few different fan bases. That, but to be honest with you, the three visiting fan bases who showed up the most and the loudest were the Ravens, the Raiders, and the Cowboys. Let me know how that went for you. Maybe word around the league will spread that if you're coming to Jacksonville, you better come for the golf. You better come for the weather because you're going to get ass beaten on on Sunday. The, the one thing about the Jets game that worries me a little bit, though, is it is going to be the weather is going to be a little bit rainy and wet, and uh, more than a little bit. So, yeah. I, mean, it, it's, I hope uh, I hope Trevor can hold on to the ball better this this time around versus like what he did the Eagles game, man. But it, I'm, as a Jags fan, it's so great to be back in, in relevancy, and, and unless something crazy happens, there's it, it's going to be a while. Yeah, we're going to be we're, we're going to the, the worm is we we've ta- the, the changes happen. Now we're metamorphosizing. I don't know if we're, you know, going to going to, you know, become some big beautiful butterfly by the end of this year's postseason. But but we may. All right, we need a guest who can judge. And you know, Dan's out today, and ETN is a back and forth. But leave it to me to make back and forth out of a one man show. You'll learn, and you'll you'll be a winner today as a judge. And nobody will be mad at you. So it's a win win for everyone. We'll play ETN when we come back. Eight thirty. We're gonna get hectic again. Now it's suddenly getting fun to look at those power ratings and where our Jaguars stand. So uh, the power rankings that we look at every Tuesday, we'll uh, take a gander at that as well. Uh, thanks so much for being up and at them with us. We appreciate it. It's Catlin Chuck Accessories Tuesday on The Drill. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. First, we'll bring in our guest, Scoo and Judge Mike, who gets the easiest assignment ever. But normally what happens on Tuesday, E.T., is I win E.T.N., and then Hicken screams at the judge, and I don't get to hear my song play. Uh-huh. That's yeah. how a typical ETN Tuesday goes. I mean, I'm saying it with all due respect. I, I'm not even. I'm saying that humbly. That's just how it's gone a lot. We play ETN. I win. The song plays, but Dan screams at the judge for so long. I don't even get to hear that sweet Tennessee whiskey get poured out. I mean, but t- listen. I'm going to be fair. Maybe today we'll play Fireball because here's how it's going to work. Mike, you there? Yes, sir. All right, Mike, here's how it's going to work. E.T., as always, is going to ask a question of the two of us, only one of us here. I am going to answer twice. I'm going to take both sides of the issue. One of those answers will be mine, 
one of those answers will be Dan's, and you just say winner, you know, answer one or winner, answer two. It's easy for you, um, and I am not going to yell or scream at you at any point of the of the um, of this whole projection. How's that sound? Hey, hey, man, this is easy. I'm a teacher. If you're not there for the test, you fail. But, well, there you go. We'll see which of these two. <laughs> well, these are two. This will be two sides to every story. Well, we'll see at least which side Mike falls on. So, E.T., are you ready? Let's right. Okay, let's go. Question number one. Rayshon G. Oh, hold on. Let okay. Me, let me get it player, right. player A. Round player one. Rayshon Jenkins recently just stated that the biggest change between last year and this year is coaching. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you, what can you name one other thing that has been a huge contributing factor as far as change from last year to this year? Yeah. All right. Play, player A will go first. Yeah, this one's pretty easy to me. Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Now, look, anything that we say here, coaching is going to be involved in. But – it's, it's not total coaching that's got Trevor Lawrence to the point that he's at right now. He's had this natural progression, the number of reps, the number of film sessions, the amount of success that he's had lately. And so now, especially when you consider where we're positioned moving forward, I think Trevor Lawrence is as big a factor um, as anyone. Now, that being said, the coaching last year in combination with his young uh, age it led to you know terrible results. So... Maybe the answer to the Trevor uh, Lawrence question is coaching. That'd be answer number one. All right. Player B? Yeah, player B would be this. Yeah, the coaching's been great, but it's also easier to coach when your GM goes out and gets you Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram, guys who have been absolutely home runs for the Jaguars in the passing game. So that almost plays into that first answer as far as Trevor getting better. He's gotten better because of coaching. He's gotten better because of those three. Defensively, this team has not pushed the right buttons in free agency or the draft. But offensively, it sure seems like they have. Mike, what do you like? Answer one or answer two? I'm going to have to go with answer one because the GM was there with the previous coaches and uh, he uh, dropped some bombs and didn't do so well picking so I'm going to go with one because he has Doug Peterson to help him go out and get those free agents. Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Uh, E.T., as it turns out, that was my answer. <laughs> so that's terrific. <laughs> terrific. I'm off to a 1-0 start. Okay, cool. Round two. We've had this debate. Nice. Like, I thought you are spot on, Mike. I can see why you're a teacher. And by the way, thanks for yes, being sir. a teacher. Thank you for that. Yeah. My, da- my daughter's it. a teacher. She's got third graders. Oh, man. Yeah, I got, oh, man. I got junior high. Good. Middle school. Okay. They can be hell on you, too. We all know that. All right. Now, we spoke on this a couple of times. Okay. What and, um, so, I want to know, what was the best win at the bank? Because this past Sunday, was it was electrifying. It was exhilarating. It was come from behind. Ooh. But we, we've had some of those games before. So, if you were to pick one, if I said, Jeff, just pick one. If I said, Dan and Jeff, pick one. What was the best win at the bank? What uh, you you know what? This is a, this is a great question because I think there are more arguments than you think. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, winner recency and recency bias. Right. I mean, the Cowboys win. They are the best team we've played at home this year. They We trailed 27 to 10. It had every element of the other good games that we played here. So I think the answer is Dallas. Here is answer B, though. And I don't think it should be underappreciated. Now, the season didn't play out like that game perhaps looked, but but playing 
Colts week two at home with this whole new environment, these whole new puzzle pieces, you know, after after losing a heartbreaker in Washington in week one, to come home and to shut them out, to shut them out, to say to the Colts and their division hopes, Matt Ryan's not good enough. You guys have not improved enough. We've in, we've shut you out 24-0. And I think that's – now, look, we got off track there. We lost our confidence and we had a losing streak. But I still think some of that foundation that was laid against the Colts and then on the road against the Chargers mattered. And, look, that being said, 17-0 down to the Raiders came from behind. I mean, the Ravens game was unbelievable. In fact, the Ravens game, pure excitement, was even better than the Dallas game. But uh, as to that first answer, Dallas and what they are and how important it is right now, I would I would go with the Cowboys. Mike, answer one or answer two? Well, I'm surprised neither one of you said the Titans game. since they, no, it was home uh, game. He said, home, home no, game. He said it, had oh, be, yeah. Yeah, it had to be a home game. Home game, so that makes me look dumb. I'll <laughs> go with... <laughs> All right, yeah. Teacher's already on Christmas, uh, Christmas break. I hear you. Um, I was a Cowboys fan growing up as a kid before we ever got the Jaguars. Jaguars stomp Dallas. I'm going with answer number one. Yeah, well, it's good timing for Hick. That was actually Hick's answer. So <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, <laughs> I guess it was the timing. You know, he had it was a good answer. I tried to rally. What can I do? We're one one. E. Can we get another question? That's oh, right. Boy. <laughs> Round three. Don't worry, Mike. It'll work out okay. We're gonna talk a little college ball. Gentlemen, what is your level of confidence that head coach Billy Napier can turn things around in Gainesville? <sighs> All right. There, there, are, there are two answers here, and I, I'm not sure either one is wrong. But you're asking for an emotional response, a litmus test, a thermometer. The Florida Gators went 6-7. and seven. Billy Napier, at no point of the season on the sideline, had a wow moment. Not one time. The only time we screamed wow at Billy Napier all year long was, why are you letting the clock run down at halftime? Why are you punting? Why are you going for it here? It was all questions. It was never a wow thank you. So, you know, at the end of the day, you can get recruits all you want. Will Muschamp coached them to death, and it's early. None of these opinions, by the way, are are long-term opinions. They're right now reactionary year one opinions. And the game day coaching, even if the recruits come, um, would would you know would leave me tepid? Would give me you know my confidence level is about a C, C plus. Now the other side of that with answer two is hold on now. Billy Napier has built the staff. He set up the model. He's you know it's University of Florida LLC. The recruiting efforts are a thousand times better. The kids' experiences in Gainesville are a thousand times better. It's more about the Jimmys and Joes than the X's and O's. And the Jimmys and Joes are considering Florida at a much higher rate and much more, you know, legitimately now than they were, than they were then. So that will be answer two, and and answer two would put you more in in line with B B plus. One huh. or two, Mike. I don't know what's going down on down there in the swamp. It's just muddy, all of it. They're gonna have to turn that around too quick. I'm going with answer number one. Yes, that was my answer, and that's how yeah. I really feel. And so. Good job on your part. That's 2-1 me. And, look, you know it's real because Dan has won an answer and he's not even here. Right. Okay. Here we go. Round four. I'm going to give you one golden ticket. That golden ticket will let you select any Jaguars player to make the Pro Bowl. Any player outside of Trevor Lawrence. Who's that golden <laughs> ticket going to? All right. You know, this this would take some thinking. I, I 
I'm going to answer this like a fan and not like a guy who breaks down the film. Okay. And I, so I can't tell you if Brandon Sheriff, who's been a pro right. bowler and has been the best free agent signing, I, there's a part of me thinks that he might be the right answer. Um, I think the two answers in this 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 sounds crazy because the Pro Bowl is defined by bigger boys than Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, and as good as they've been, they don't reach Pro Bowl level for breakout franchise alpha dog receivers. Somehow, I'm going to end up on the defensive side of the ball. Right, okay, that's what I'm thinking. All right, so I got two guys on the defensive side of the ball. I'll give one. I'll leave one for Dan, or A, I'll give one and leave one for right. me. A, I think you got a guy who's leading the NFL in tackles for the second straight year in Foyer Lewican. Thank you. Tackles yeah. matter. Foyer Lewican is leading the National Football League in tackles on a team that doesn't play great defense, so I can only wonder what we would be without it. That's answer A. Answer B is settle down. Tackles can, uh, in large part, are produced because your line isn't doing its job. We have one player that opposing offenses fear and diagram around, and that player is Tyson Campbell. And you only notice it when he gets beat or when he doesn't cover someone, but Tyson Campbell's gone through stretches of this football season where in the last four games, Tyson Campbell's been targeted eight times, has given up one catch for eight yards. He's literally had stretches like that. So answer B would be be Tyson Campbell, which, by the way, may be the first of many to come once you crack that, that echelon. Mike, what do you got? Well, I like both answers. And um, I think answer B helps us forget more about Jalen Ramsey, who's going to be sitting at home during the playoffs. With the so worst, answer B. Yeah, and he'll also be sitting at home, Mike, with the worst record ever um, assembled by a defending Super Bowl champ. The, the Rams now proud owners of that. As luck would have it, and you may know I'm a big Tyson Campbell guy. Tyson Campbell, that was my answer. That's a 3-1 yeah. win in ETN. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for making today possible. A dream come true. I'll put you on hold. Uh, ET will need uh, some yeah. more information from you. Listen, he'll ask for that three-digit code on the back of your ATM. Don't give it to him. That's, he doesn't need that, but you never know what they're up to. Can I? What? No, uh-uh. What are you doing? What the hell? What What just happened? Wrong button, that's all. Okay. I got nobody screaming uh, about inequity or unfairness. Nobody hollering to the mountaintops. By the way, I've confirmed. Sal Pal. Sal Pal Antonio joined us 9 a.m. this morning. He's a Hall of Fame voter, and he's also... Uh, in line step with the Doug Peterson. Sal Pal play was very, 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 very high on the Jags in the signing of uh, Doug Peterson. So it'll be interesting to get kind of his uh, progress report as the Jags suddenly are positioned to be a playoff team. Enjoy the uh, dussel, the dussel, dulcet tones of one Chris Stapleton. And we'll return on a Catlin Truck Accessories Tuesday. You're listening to The Drill. And for... For Mike being the guest, Google. Okay, what's he getting? He's going to get a Peter Brook chocolate nice. holiday gift Ooh, basket. Oh, that sounds good. I can't eat that. Plus a $25 gift card to Four Score Golf Tavern in San Marco. All right, we're going to get hectic when we come back. Where are the Jags uh, risen to in the power ratings? I mean, that is, that's is—that's been a wild elevator ride, hasn't it? Uh, oh, well, we, we can see where they check in most recently uh, when we return on the other side. And again, Sal Palantonio, Hall of Fame voter. We'll ask him about Fred Taylor. And uh, confidant of Doug Peterson, his thoughts on where the Jags stand now and moving forward. So that'll be a good conversation as well. You're listening to The Drill on 1010XL. And let me mention that prize pack is part of the 1010XL Holiday Gift Guide. Just visit 1010XL.com for more great gift ideas. Oh. You got the power. 
uh, the Jags, who I believe, what do we bottom out at? Like 28 maybe in the, at the end of the long losing streak? Oh, well, I feel like we're at. Not quite that maybe low. Tw- maybe 29-ish. I mean, we went from what, 2-1 and one to 2-7? and seven? Is that what we did? Yeah, 28 yeah. sounds safe. Now we've gotten kind of hot. One, four out of five. Ooh. Two-game winning streak. Yeah. Big game coming up Thursday night, man. Big game. We had a big game last. We had a big game. Look, it, we, we are what we are here in Jacksonville. So it's easy to stay, like, gun-shy, and you feel like I, why, I flash more to, like, the trip to Detroit when I contemplate going to New York Thursday night than I do the trip to Tennessee. You know what I mean? I just think it's our protection reflex here in Jacksonville. But why wouldn't we be just overwhelmed with confidence after winning at Tennessee and then beating one of the NFL's top three or four teams here uh, at home with Dallas? So maybe we should be more confident than we are. How confident are we? with this week's power poll. Now, uh, ET before I ask you to guess, have we have we vaulted into the top half of the power rankings or are we still bottom half because that's going to that's going to affect do we start top or do we start bottom? I uh, believe last week we were 19. After that Cowboys when we're definitely in the top half. Okay, what do you got? I feel like the number 11 is just ringing in 11? my head. 11? I so think I'm that's a little 11. high. I'm going to say 15. Okay. All right, so we're starting from the top. Kind of makes you want to just, you know, kind of bounce along with it here for a little bit, no? My shoulder's definitely swinging. Sure. I guess I can't. I mean, I'm just moving here. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I can't. All right, here we go. Getting kind of heck. Number one, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, 13 and one. By the way, the Eagles might have to go to Gardner Minshew this week. Ooh. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. I mean, I'm not messing around if I'm Philly. I, I, I'm not trying to stay on some, you know, wave these last three games. I've got an overwhelming lead for the division. I'm not playing the only guy who matters. <laughs> Maybe that's unfair, but Jalen Hurts is the straw, right? He's an MVP candidate. He may win MVP. I, I'm, I need him for the postseason. And the Eagles are so smart. I mean, they went and got A.J. Brown. He's been terrific. You know, that's how you build a – that's how you build around your guy. Like they, like these Alabama quarterbacks have been built around Tua in Miami. They drafted Waddle. They got Tyreek at Philly. They they went and got AJ Brown. They drafted Devontae Smith. And the Eagles, for a lot of years, were not good at the receiver position. I mean, an aging, oft injured Alshon Jeffrey has been the only big time name weapon, and that was a lot of years ago. But anyway, Eagles number one. Number two, seemingly finding themselves a little bit, but they're not winning easy. The Buffalo Bills. Uh, number three, the Chiefs. Number four, uh, red-hot team, Cincinnati Bengals. By the way, this week's, you know, they, they add like an element, like a, a sub-headline. And this week, it is the most pleasant surprises for each team. Who's been the most pleasant surprise for the Jaguars? That's an easy one for me. The most pleasant surprise? Yeah, the most pleasant surprise. Like, we're going to go through this. They're going to give a ranking. And then, like, pleasant surprise. Philly, they said Miles Sanders. Uh, Kansas City said Jarek McKinnon, who's oh, had two big weeks. It's easy. It's easy. Dewey. You say it's Dewey Winger. Dewey. He had a good game. That's not the answer, though. He, I you love gonna you. Say, you going to say Rayshon? I'm not going to say Rayshon. Okay. There's an easier answer than that. I'm listening. The most pleasant surprise by a oh, Zay, Jones. Zay Jones, dude. <laughs> he leads the team in receptions. 
He's had big games here down the stretch. Hey, Jones, I can't. I'm shocked that he's not, you know, uh, Dante Moncrief. I say, I say Dewey because last year. <laughs> he hadn't played enough for me, though. He, okay. You know, he came in. He came in in the. In the, in the Titans game, well, first the game here, and then play the Titans game, played hurt, and he's played gutsy, and he's been important. But as a known quantity, he just didn't play enough for me, whereas Zay's been doing it since week one. Uh, 49ers all the way up to number five. The Cowboys, who we just walloped, fall from just four to six. Mm. The heck? That's disrespectful. Uh, the Vikings are number seven, and my only answer to that is like hell they are. The Vikings are the most, oh, most overrated football team in NFL history. But perhaps the best wide receiver. Yeah, based league. on the record, though, they are so overrated. They've gotten blo- they gotten the doors blown off by both Dallas and Philly. And then they're like 10-0 and in one-score games. I mean, I just, I don't trust them at all. That being said, they'll probably win a playoff game and, you know, be a step away. We'll see. Number eight, the Miami Dolphins. Man, that seems high, doesn't it? Sheesh. They stay eight. They've lost three in a row at San Francisco, at the Chargers, and at the Bills. Uh, we'll see if they finish strong. I kind of think they will. I think maybe, yeah, the Christmas Eve, right? The Christmas Day, we got them with, uh, we talked about that earlier, the Packers. Packers and Dolphins, uh, the early game on Christmas. Christmas Day schedule, by the way, stinks. Uh, the Chargers at 8-6 and six have moved up to number 9. I'll tell you one thing that jumps out at me as we go through these power ratings, which, by the way, the power rankings are actually, I don't know, the standings. You can take a look at those if you want to know who's who and what's what. But as we get down, if I see the Chargers at nine, I'm going to say the power rankings are really top-heavy this year. Mm-hmm. Right? I, the Chargers at nine have no chance of winning the Super Bowl at all. They are just—they may not even make the playoffs. I'm underwhelming, to say the least. Number 10, another team we've beaten, the Baltimore Ravens. I'll tell you something cool about this. We, we being the Jags, I'm number 10-10 on your program. Uh <laughs> We've beaten the Ravens, who are number 10. The Chargers, who are number 9. The Cowboys, who are number 6. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we've beaten three of those top 10. We've played the Eagles tough on the road. we played the Chiefs tough on the road. All right. Yeah. What did you say? You said number 11, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I'm not confident in 11 anymore. Yeah, there's still some good teams out there, isn't there? Yeah. Number 11, the New York Giants. Another team we should that's, have beat. That's crazy. Yeah, they beat us. They're eight five and one, and they beat us. We're six and eight. Number twelve, the Detroit Lions. They deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, they beat it. They beat the drums. The, they beat the doors off of us. And, I don't know what I was thinking when yeah, I said that. That's a little high. I thought so too. <laughs> In fact, you even made me go higher than I think they really are. I was going to go to like seventeen, but your optimism made me say fifteen. We'll see <laughs> if that uh, still plays out. Number 13, Ugh. Washington Commanders. Oh, my gosh, man. Uh, they stay at number 13. Number 14, the Seattle Seahawks. I can't help but feel like we're better than the Seahawks. We're better than the last three teams you just I said. I guess, but the problem is all Rick. three of the, the Giants, Lions, and Commanders all have better records and yeah. all beat us. But have those teams beaten the Cowboys and the Ravens and some of the others? Number 15, this is where I would weigh in. Number 15 behind the Seattle Seahawks is... Come on, man. Come on. Tennessee Titans. Oh, no. The, oh, come yeah, on. No, they've lost, what, three or four in a row. We beat them. They're only 7-7. Seven oh, seven. come on. I was close. 16. The Jags, 16, baby. Up from 19. We're right at the midway part. Right at the middle. Uh, they, they missed this, but it's in line with you. 
pleasant surprise, Rayshon Jenkins. I don't know, dude. I, and I get, that comes from D-Rock, so I would, you know, obviously respect his opinion, but I would disagree with it from this standpoint. They paid Rayshon Jenkins a lot of money. He was supposed to be this last year. So, I mean, it's hard to categorize a pleasant surprise as a guy who was brought in and paid to be a big-time player. Coaching. But he's been significantly more impactful here in year two than than year one. Uh, Jaguars using Jenkins more as a box safety. He's got career highs in tackles, solos, forced fumbles, a career high three interceptions. That includes two and the pick six game winner against Dallas on Sunday. So uh, the Jaguars, wow, all the way up to 16. That's got to be the highest we've been in a in a getting kind of hectic power pole. By the way, number 17 waiting for us in a downpour deluge, the New York Jets at 7-7. Seven and seven. It's also a good sign. The Jets are 7-7. Seven and seven. The Patriots are 7-7. Seven and seven. Um, those are two teams that have better records than the Jacksonville Jaguars at six and eight. Uh, the verdict is in from the nation. They feel the Jags are better than the six and eight Raiders, the six and eight Tom Brady's, the six and eight Steelers, the six and eight Browns, the six and eight Packers. They think we're better than the seven and seven Pats, the seven and seven Jets. So a lot of progress made there, but the biggest progress has been made in the standings where if the Jags win their last three, we're hosting a home playoff game. Wow. Sal Powell coming up top of the hour. I'm going to get to some other sports here for about 10, 15 minutes to satisfy my own insatiable urge to talk about all things that uh, fall under uh, the sports landscape, not just uh, the football, in this case, the Jags. But, man, it's hard to not be just jacked up excited about the Jaguars and uh, where we stand heading into this big primetime game on Thursday. You're listening to The Drill. It's Cat and Truck Accessories Tuesday here on 1010XL. All right, we got Sal Powell uh, staring us down here at about Ah, we're about 13 minutes away from Sal Palantonio uh, joining us. He's a Hall of Fame voter. We're going to continue with our series of um, trying to do our best curry favor for Fred Taylor. I know Hick had our another friend of the program, John McClain, longtime Houston aficionado. Um, and e, you told me he was on board with Fred, huh? All on board. I'll tell you something else about Sal Palantonio. We'll, we'll talk to him about Fred. We'll also talk to him about the Eagles, which are an intriguing story and one that he covers every day that our man – Gardner Minshew will be quarterbacking for them this weekend, most likely against Dallas. All Philly has to do is win one of their last three, and they wrap up the number one seed in the bye. I, you you got to make sure. And, and it, by the way, Sal has sent me some notes on Jalen Hurts. My God, man, this guy's the MVP, and it's not even close. If you really go inside Jalen Hurts' numbers and and what he has done and where they rank in both his franchise and – and around the NFL this year, but here's just a, a few of them. He's having a historic season. 22 pass touchdowns, 13 rush touchdowns, five interceptions. No player in NFL history has had 20-plus pass touchdowns, 10-plus rush touchdowns, and fewer than 10 interceptions in a season. He is going to do that. Been a model of production and efficiency as 35 combined uh, touchdowns. Is already tied with Randall Cunningham for the franchise record in one year. Already passed Donovan McNabb, who was a tremendous dual-threat quarterback. Just the fourth different player to go 20 passes and 10 rush touchdowns in a single year. Never mind those small interceptions. Cam Newton has been on that list uh, four times in his career. He would be the best example of that. Uh, He's been a great situational quarterback this year, Jalen Hurts. Um. Has, has been in the you know the, the top percentile in, in most areas, and they are without him. But we will focus on 
listen, I will say something else, too. And I don't know if we have any Sal Palantonio that we kept in the system before, before the season started. But you want to talk about a guy who said pinpoint, bottom line, what Doug Peterson is going to be? And it has played out that way. And it played out that way early when we saw some impressive wins. It kind of, you know, that that just unbridled faith may have waned a little bit while while we struggled in a, in a mid-stretch. But back now, and Doug Peterson is certainly getting his kudos. Let me ask you this. If if the Jags, say, went out and go 9-8, and eight, does Doug Peterson, does he deserve some Coach of the Year talk? I don't At know. At least in the conversation. I mean, it should be in the conversation, especially when you consider from whence you've come. They've This is a team. Think about this if they make the playoffs. This is a team that's had the number one pick in the draft two years in a row. So much like um, much like what we saw with with Joe Burrow and taking the 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 Bengals right to a Super Bowl, I mean, could we have that kind of magic waiting on us? Did I hear Sal Pal in there on his assertion? This is Sal Pal when we talked to him back in like August on what he thought the Jacksonville Jaguars would become. People in Jacksonville deserve a winner, and I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to get one. There you go. I mean. Eh. He won't take a victory lap. It's not his. It, it, it's not his style. If we have two like national, you know, guests who join us fairly regularly, Sal Powell will be in the top two with me. My man Sandman from the Golf Channel is awesome. It brings it too. But Steve Sands from the Golf Channel, NBC uh, Golf, and and Sal Powell and Tony, I think two of the best who join us somewhat regularly. Um, here on a ten ten XL and here on the drill. All right, a couple of. Couple of World Cup notes. All right, my son-in-law, who we've you've learned right now as you've lived uh, the drill through us, um, no, he's South American and and a big soccer fan. We were talking yesterday how that final ET should go to sudden death and play the whole time, and he shot it down with a, a winning argument that I, I I can't come back at. Soccer's not like our sports that we're used to following. Baseball, basketball, football. There's a lot of downtime in those sports. A lot of rest time. You do not get that in soccer. And if you go into a soccer game, and it what if it goes two or three or four periods of extra time? These dudes are going to just die of fatigue. The game is not going to be decided by skill. You know, you got that's just, it's too much, too physical a toll. Or you're going to have to sub and go, or the red cards come in and you lose guys. It would just ultimately, even though it seems like a good idea on the surface, because the way it does now, they play, then they play 30 minutes extra, and that's it. They go straight to penalty kicks. Doesn't matter the level of championship you're playing for. And we kind of wondered and argued yesterday that, gosh, if it's that important, they should play it out. Uh, he convinced me, no, that's not the right play. The right play is the way it is. And if it comes down to that and you haven't won it by then, then you've had plenty of opportunity. Let's go to penalty kicks, which is a skill in and of itself. They are uh, they are estimating that a worldwide TV audience, when you include streaming, will reach $1.5 billion. For the World Cup final, which lived up to any hype that could be put on on an event that big. It's the biggest sporting event in the world. With all due respect to the Super Bowl and the things we love, there's nothing bigger than the World Cup finale. It featured two of the biggest, brightest stars in all of the game who both played unreal. It, 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 it was the two top favorites. They played all the way through to penalty kicks. It was just, uh, it was unbelievable. By the way, I saw, they were celebrating... At like two in the morning in, in Argentina because that's it's when they real got out back. There. Yeah, yeah, they don't wait until oh, we'll just see you tomorrow at noon. Uh-uh. Uh, 
they are out there when that plane lands and they get on that bus and they're still partying uh, in Argentina. I hope the young lady has escaped the Qatari customs officials. I did see this story from the World Cup about the uh, Argentine fan who uh, thought it would be a great job to celebrate going topless and now could face jail time. We didn't have a lot of stories. I'm sure they're out there of crossing the the customs of playing in that part of the world and what it could mean, whether it's fighting or drinking or, in this case, racy attire or lack of. So uh, we'll keep you posted. Sal Palantonio next on a Catlin Truck Accessories Tuesday. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. In Sal Pal, you trust, or at least you should have, when he joined us a number of times during the Peterson hiring and then as we got ready for the season, Sal Pal came on with us and told us Jacksonville deserves a winner and they're going to get one with Doug Peterson and that process certainly seems like it has turned in that direction. And we are fortunate enough to be joined by uh, the man himself right now on the Fair and Fair phone line. Sal, good morning. Thanks for being with us. I do appreciate it. Jeff, always for you, Jeff. Always. (laughs) How are you, my brother? Listen, happy holidays to you and your family and your listeners. It's great to be with you at this time of year. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. I want to get to the Jags. and I want to get to your Eagles a little bit, too. But before, Sal, we've kind of been – straw polling a little bit and influencing the voting if if we can. And our guy, Fred Taylor, we kind of feel like, look, this this wrapping the blanket in, oh, you're in Jacksonville and you're, overrated, uh, you're overlooked, I think sometimes is overplayed. I think in Fred's case it might be a little more accurate than, than it would be in some others. I mean, it goes back to his rookie year statistically. He should have been the rookie of the year, not Randy Moss. And I wonder where that that puts, you know, your your – your version of him if you're a fan or a media member if he had started his career that way. So I know he's a semifinalist. We want to get him in that final room. First, you're just your overall thoughts on on Fred Taylor and, and understanding that as a Hall of Fame voter, in addition to doing what you're doing, you probably haven't dived, you know, uh, neck deep into, into all of, of the guys that are currently on the list. But I know we're high on Fred here, probably higher than most, and want to get a gauge on maybe where you are on Fred Taylor. I'm all in. Hundred percent. I'm all in, and I was all in on Tony Baselli. You know that. Yeah. Everybody in uh, in Duval County knows that, and of course the Baselli family. I supported him right from the beginning. It took way too long to get Tony in, and it's taking way too long to get Fred in. And uh, you know he'll be, uh, uh, you know he'll he'll be uh, seriously considered. I know by the voters and a lot of people on the committee that seriously consider him as a Hall of Fame candidate. And, and you know, Sal, I think it's one of those deals that when you get into, like, the analytics just a little bit, and I don't mean going crazy on it, but when, when Sam Kavar stands up and he presents Fred's case, if he makes it to that 15, I think there will. Now, you're good for you. You're ahead of the game as to what his impact was and statistically how he's held up. But there may be some in that room that aren't. When you learn that he has, you know, 8,000-yard rushing seasons, when you learn that his yards per carry in addition to his – to his total matches, only Barry Sanders and, and Jim Brown. There are a lot of stats like that. They're going to help Fred's case in addition to being the 17th, you know, uh, ranked run, running back of all time. And that's a number that's likely to stand, right, the way we go to these split backfields now? Yeah, it could stand for a long time. But, you know, he looks in, 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 on tape as a Hall of Famer. The numbers are there for sure, and I think he deserves serious consideration, no question about it, and he's got my support. That's awesome. And you know what? It's also good to hear because 
you know, there's a narrative down here or this insinuation that it's going to be hard for him to get in. He might have to wait his turn. We talked to John McClain last week, and he, he echoed your comments. It seems like a no-brainer. Hopefully he can get in that room and it plays out that way. All right, let, let's get to the, the 2022 season as it stands. Man, I don't want to get too uh, overwhelmed with optimism here for our local listening audience, but it sure seems like the, the get-well plan for Doug Peterson can actualize here in year one. And, and I'm sure you're aware, many fans across the country may not be, but if the Jaguars win their last three games, I mean, they're going to be division champs hosting a post game in, in three weeks. Peterson has been everything you told us he would be, Sal. Yeah, and here's the deal. So if you host a post game, if you host a playoff, right, the first week, <clears throat> wild card weekend, right? Right. Uh, the Eagles will probably have that first round by. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get on the phone to Bristol, Connecticut, and I'm going to say, listen, uh, I know I'm going to be spending a lot of time in the cold weather, so let me have a trip down to Jacksonville to see my old friend Doug Peterson. Come on, you got to take care of me on that, and I'm going to make a real big case for that to happen. And you know what? If you got all this gray hair and you got 30 years at ESPN, they should throw you a bone. They start listening to you a little bit. In fairness, they do. So no, I... they, they got to throw you a bone a little bit. But listen, I mean, uh, I knew that Doug was going to beat the Cowboys some, some kind of way. Uh, you know, he's got it in his DNA to do that. Uh, it was a shocking, a shocking loss for the Cowboys because I think their defense was playing very well up to that game. Uh, so... And the bottom line is, uh, you know, you can put the Jets to sleep on Thursday night. Uh, you know, that'll that'll be the end of the Jets. Then then you can go to Houston. And, gosh, if you can't beat Houston after beating Dallas, even though it's on the road, then you have no business winning the division. And then it sets up for the division title in Week 18 down there in Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, that that's going to be something. If he can get this team into the playoffs his first year. hey. He did it with Philly. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, and I, as you know, and you said before to your listeners, I've always been bullish on, on Doug. I don't know why it took so long for Jacksonville to, to, to make him the head coach. <clears throat> he was out there, and uh, he's, turned the, he's turned the franchise around much more quickly than I think anybody but you and me anticipated. So, I mean, they had, some, they had that bad stretch mm-hmm. after, getting, after the rain game in, in Philly. I mean, losing to Houston at home, that hurt bad. Mm-hmm. That was a bad loss, a super bad loss. Um, and then losing to Denver at home, that was a super bad loss. So, geez. The, the Giants, they had, you know, they had game, they've had games in hand, you know, earlier within, within the score. Yeah, and it yeah hasn't but worked. the Giants are a playoff team, sure. but Denver and Houston are not. Those Correct. are the two losses those that I ones. look at. Yeah, those are the ones in October where, boy, oh, boy, you, you really look back and you say, man, oh, man. <clears throat> If we had had those two games, we'd be sleepwalk. We'd be we'd be moonwalking yeah. to the division there's, title. There's a little sidebar spin on that trip to Houston. The Jags have lost nine straight to the Texans overall. So now it's been a year where they have knocked out some long, stupid streaks of futility. Like yeah, like last like week, last they week. had lost twenty in a row to the exactly. NFC. Exactly. Yeah, they had lost forever on the West Coast. They had lost to the AFC. They've lost a bunch of different ways, and he's rectified a lot of that. You know. Look, he won a Super Bowl in Philly. I I, I seem kind of silly to say this. Oh, but really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you do that? Well, I use it to base this point. <laughs> it almost feels like this team is better positioned after year one than his team was there that won a Super Bowl. That's the point I was going to get to. Oh, that, I see what you said. Well, yeah, they got a lot of young, yeah, really pyrotechnic talent. 
yeah. uh, on both sides of the ball, you know, and also, hello, the division's weak. Correct. They have a Trevor problem in the AFC South, and I don't, it's going to take a lot of years, I think, to to rectify that if you're one of the division rivals. Sure, yes, sure. I agree with you. You know, the, the, the quarterback position in Houston, upheaval. Tennessee, yeah. upheaval. Yeah. Indianapolis, DOA. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, you, you know, right now you're looking at the best your best quarterback in your division in Jacksonville, yeah. no question. Let, let me, if I could, look, it, it felt the same with, with Carson Wentz, right? Doug Peterson had made Carson Wentz into an MVP candidate. He may have won the MVP that year that he, that he got hurt. So uh, that went sideways, went off the wall, maybe some injuries, maybe some other stuff. Is, is there any any corollary to Trevor Lawrence and his explosion here and and – you know, avoiding what happened with Carson Wentz, or is that just strictly injury forced? Jeff, that is a conversation that takes detail and time. Okay. But I'll just give you, I'll give you the uh, abridged version. I don't see Trevor having the same personality mm-hmm. traits that Carson Wentz had. Carson Wentz was a very stubborn player. Uh, a very demonstrative player. He would walk into the meeting room and uh, say, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like that. I don't see Trevor Lawrence doing that. I haven't heard that. Uh, I think he's just a different personality. Uh, So I don't see that happening. What got Carson Wentz hurt, and I wrote a book about it and lived it day in and day out, talking to Doug every single day and Frank Reich, If you go back to the Seattle game before he got hurt, he dove into the end zone and lost the ball, a fumble that caused the Eagles to lose the game. The following week, they go to Los Angeles and play in the Coliseum, and he dives into the end zone on first and goal, first and goal, and gets his knees blown up by two linebackers, actually a safety sort of masquerading as a linebacker. He's like 240 pounds. And he gets his knee blown up on this very same kind of play on a first and goal where it was not necessary for him to do that. And he wanted to prove, obviously, that he could dive into the end zone and be the hero. And I don't see any of those traits with Trevor Lawrence at all. None of them. Uh, So I think it should be comforting to folks in Jacksonville that you won't have a duplication of what happened in Philadelphia. We're getting to a point, too, with just, like, ceiling talent that, you know, there's going to be a very small number of quarterbacks around the league when we talk next year that you would trade Trevor Lawrence for. And that's a remarkable rise from where we stood, you know, when this season started and even how he played, you know, through the first six or eight games. The the learning has kicked in. He's not making the same. You know, there's this phrase, learn how to win. And in Trevor's case, it's learn when to just throw it away. It's the NFL. Throw it into – into row one and, and live to see the next play. He's done that. And that is what's, you know, that's what's helped lead to some of these last second victories that they've had. I don't think Jalen Hurts is, is as good as he is and as important as he is. I still don't think he's quite getting his due, Sal. Is that, am I on an island there? I, to me, there's, I mean, he, to me, he's the obvious MVP right now. I don't feel like that's the overall narrative around the country. You may have a better read on that than me. Well, you know, he's having a historic season. He has 22 touchdown passes, 13 rushing touchdowns, five interceptions, only five. No player, let me, let me give you this sentence, no player has recorded 20-plus pass touchdowns, 10-plus rushing touchdowns, and fewer than 10 interceptions in a season in NFL history. 
So he has been the model of production and efficiency at an MVP and historic level. And I lived through the Randall Cunningham years. The last Randall Cunningham had 35 combined touchdowns in 1990. I lived through the Donovan McNabb years when he had 34 combined in 2004 and the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. And in 2022, Jalen Hurts has 35. Uh, So the bottom line, though, is going back, dovetailing off to the Trevor Lawrence conversation, Jeff, Mm -hmm. the best best ability is availability. Mm -hmm. You look around the NFL, the running quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson hurt, Jalen Hurts hurt, Justin Fields has been off the field hurt, Trey Lance hurt. You look at all the running quarterbacks. You look at how many quarterbacks have been yanked on and off the field this year, either for poor performance or injury. If you can have a quarterback who, A, doesn't get hurt, B, throws it away instead of throwing interceptions, you got something. You know, it's like the old adage, a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over is like a number four hitter in baseball who doesn't strike out. And you'll win a lot of baseball games if your number four hitter doesn't strike out. You'll win a lot of football games if the quarterback, the guy holding the cards all the time, does not turn the ball over. And you hit it the nail on the head, and that's the one thing that Trevor Lawrence is getting from Doug Peterson every day. I can tell you I live through it. we got to live to the next down, the next play, the next game. Throw it away. Don't throw it to the other team. Don't take the bad sacks. If you do that and you let your complimentary football of your teammates work well with you, you have a chance. And it's starting to sink in and starting something special is starting to happen really in Jacksonville, I believe. And if you win the next three and get into the playoffs, you won't have me on the show. You're going to have all these national guys <laughs> You are the, on the national show. guy. Are you You're going to have all these Come big on, shots on your yeah, show. You Jeff. are the big shot. You know that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hey, hey. You won't even have time for me on your show. <laughs> Always Jeff. time. You're kidding me. You'll lead it off. You'll be hitting lead up and clean up. Uh, lead <laughs> off and clean up. Hey, I, I will say this. The old cliche, calm, cool, and collected. You know, I've been here since, since day one with Tom Coughlin. He was a great coach himself. I wouldn't say calm, cool, and collected. Always describe No, him. definitely not. <laughs> it describes Doug Peterson, though. That's real. It, it's, yeah. not, it's not just like a, a you know um, – impression that he puts off it feels like that's who he is yeah and he you know his 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 greatest thing that he learned from his dad who was his football coach and they were very very close he used to say to him all the time be aggressive be aggressive be aggressive but be smart yeah and uh, yeah that's it and and the way uh, you know get ready so you don't have to be ready right or be ready so you don't have to get ready one of the two yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Stay ready. Stay ready. Stay ready. So you don't got to get ready. There we go. I think that's, stay, that's kind of, that's kind of a menu too. It goes with that. Yeah. Stay, stay ready, but so you don't have to get ready. Correct. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> stay ready, so you don't have to get ready. You're going to get our get ready guy this week. Does Minshew mania grip Philly like it did here in Jacksonville? I mean, the jorts and the mullet—they seem to fit perfectly here. I'm just wondering how that personality uh, works up there. He seems like a real likable guy. I don't care what city you put him in, but but where is Philly Nation on on Gardner Minshew? Yeah, yeah, they love him. <laughs> who, do, who doesn't love him? Yeah. But, you know, we're going to find out real yeah. quick. You yeah. know, this is the city that shoves you back, right? The city, <laughs> I like to call it the city of brotherly shove. <laughs> that right? a boy. 
Yeah. yeah. You nailed that. Yeah, and I'm allowed to say that because I live here and I've lived through it. So yeah. I know. Yeah. Uh, you know, the love will wear <laughs> off quick if you start throwing it to the other team. Yeah. He's, he's I, you know, that guy seems to find a way. I'll be, I, I personally, and I'm going to enjoy getting to see him play a week if he does get to play a week. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The Eagles just got to win one of the last three. They get that bye, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're... Wouldn't it be something on Christmas Eve? Oh, man. In, yeah. in, in, in Dallas? Yeah. Minshew mania? With, with, against the Dallas team's probably not in a real good mood. <laughs> yeah, Dallas team not in a good mood. Dak yeah. Prescott, again, there's another guy. 11 interceptions in eight games. Leads the NFL in the last uh, yeah. eight games. Yeah, the star's fading a little bit on him. Well, you know, you just got to take care of the football if you're the quarterback. So that's the number one thing. Hey, Jeff, have a great holiday. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining hey, us. Listen, and... I want to be your first call now when you they get it. into the playoffs after they win the next three. Look, you rolling on that, E.T.? Yeah, he's rolling in there. Oh, okay. I'm definitely rolling on <laughs> that. <laughs> we're, we're good. Thank you, Sal, so much. Have a great day. Stay, stay ready so time. you don't have to get ready. That's Come I on. got it. Come on. That's it. That's it. That, I thank you very much. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. I'll put you. that up on the refrigerator right now so I don't have to get that one. I like thank it. You. I like it. Thank you, my man. Have a great day. There he goes. Sal Palantonio on the Fair and Fair uh, phone line. See, that's a good dude. I like having that guy. Let's come back. You, are we going to trend today? Man, let's trend. Let's trend. If you know why. If you stay ready, ain't you gotta, gotta get, ready. get ready. Yeah, we're not. We're not. That phrase ain't proper English. You gotta go stay ready. Say so ain't gotta get ready. We I didn't want. Didn't want to push it. Sal was just kind of, you know, <laughs> just kind of coming to terms with it. I didn't want to throw in any, you know, any curveballs in there. So appreciate Sal. By the way, to recap a little bit what we talked about there. He, you know, without saying it, it feels like Trevor. Uh, it felt like he said, "Look, Trevor Lawrence is a lot better than Carson Wentz." That's kind of what it felt like he was saying. This dude ain't going out and playing for impressions or what you think about him. He's the Trevor's grown a man, and he's playing with another grown a man uh, leading him in in Doug Peterson. And so, yeah, you may be in better shape even than the Eagles were um, during their Super Bowl run. So I took that out of it. But I tell you what else I took. Now I wasn't here last week, E, when you visited with John McClain, but you told me. That he was like all aboard. There was like no question about Fred Taylor. You say you've been watching Fred for a while. Okay, Sal Palantonio, without hesitation. There's, we don't need any convincing. It's not, oh, he's good, but or he. There's this other guy. I mean, that's that's two for two. I, how many Hall of Fame voters are there? Fifty, maybe. I think it said like thirty-seven. Is that it? Something like that. Well, I mean, we're 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 up in the ratio here. We're going to continue with our Hall of Fame push for Fred. We'll have Fred on the show as we, you know, 40, forty-nine. Okay, forty-nine. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got two. You know, we got, we're four percenters already, man. We got two guys on board. And, you know, as I said, when Fred's argument gets in the room you, and you you were forced to really look at what he was instead of just thinking, ah, oh, he's just a Hall of Very Good, right? I think he's it's going to make an impression on some people. And it's important for guys like Sal Palantonio and John McClain to be on board with that from the get-go. It's important. You need those guys and and the respect that the rest of the room gives them. Uh, when you're making that push, I, I, you know, I kind of feel like I'm, you know, not in a pickle, but I, I told for, we sat on the bus. So we went to Tony's private party after the hall of fame, you know, induction ceremony up in Canton this summer. And uh, we're on the shuttle riding back with uh, Fred Hick and I, and I think Frank was on there and Fred and his lovely missus, uh, whose grandma lives here in Jacksonville, by the way, shout out grandma. Uh, I talked to Fred and I told him, you know, and he kind of has, has an eye roll. Fred's a little, got his guard up a little bit done. He's a little bitter just about how he's been perceived and, and where he stands. And, you know, back in the day, 
self-promotion wasn't big. I mean, it, you know, not many did it. It was, you know, Deion Sanders and Hollywood Henderson, and there wasn't this this self-promotion that now has almost become a necessity of getting getting the due that, that you're owed. And, and Fred has very much been on that campaign, and, and perhaps it's making some inroads. But I told Fred on that bus, and I believed it, you're getting in, dude, and it's sooner rather than later. We're going to be back up here in a couple years, three years max, I think. You know, why not this year? And we knocked out those, the issues. The issues are the running backs in front of him, and they're all gone. He's 17th in rushing. All 16 are in or will be in. All 16 of them. And there ain't no one coming. He's going to be sitting 17, 10 years from now. And let's get him in. Let's get our guys in. That will be two, and then we can turn our attention to Jimmy. I spoke with Fred, actually, at the game on Sunday. Okay. I literally sat down with him, nice. and I spoke with him. I asked him, I'm like, Fred, so how do you feel about it? You feel like you're going to get in? And his response was, I'll get in when I get in. Well, that's plain and simple. Yeah, that's and that's the attitude that he's taken. But he is not afraid to tell you why he belongs in, and why if you don't understand and recognize what he was, then you don't understand and recognize what he was. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll uh, continue. No one will be bigger uh, bus drivers for Fred Taylor than the drill. That's uh, two voters down. We're going to get through as many as we can before that thing goes to a vote around Super Bowl time. A Super Bowl that suddenly it doesn't seem silly to ponder the Jaguars as a possibility as they get set to go on the road and play in primetime this week against the Jets. Come back, we'll see what's trending. It's a Catlin Truck Accessories Tuesday on The Drill. Studio. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, that's not going to be good for me. And my attention deficit disorder <laughs> seems to uh, pile up. Tomorrow is signing day, gang. If you want all the up-to-date information and you're not, you know, sitting on your phone or tracking everything, not everyone's going to recruit, Nick. You know, a lot of people just wait till the day's over and then they let, you know, folks like us tell them how they did. Um. And Miami has been really the, the strong riser here toward the end, getting some big prospects. I got another one yesterday, flipped a kid that they thought would, that most thought would go to Florida, running back named Mark Fletcher. And uh, Miami is up to number three. Florida's not recruiting. Somebody said before, well, since when are you, you know, recruiting against Miami? No, not, not like for year to year competition, but for the state. You, you bet you are. Yeah. FSU too. You know, Florida's kind of in the middle ground. They're doing a solid job, but FSU is, like, known as one of the portal kings in Miami, and they're, you know, they're, uh, John Ruiz Cash is cleaning up on on the, you know, more typical prospect um, search. And so, you know, there's uh, Billy Napier, who's, look, done fine. And you're selling a program that's lost seven games back-to-back years. There's a lot in place there, and the 2024 class already has the number one quarterback. We've talked about how important that is and what that guy's ended up being. But in the meantime, I don't know, there's 2023 season you're playing that you'd like to at some point, you know, threaten double-digit wins again, but we'll see. And we'll keep you updated tomorrow. Uh, the gang has been working here. The total team effort at 1010XL has been working together to, to, to get platformed for tomorrow's big day. That goes beyond who your favorite college is signing, right? There are kids all over the First Coast, and I will once again give that kind of annual commencement address to all of those in the families that are uh, going to see things pay off for them uh, tomorrow. And that's a, that's, you know, that, that goes a lot deeper than the hot 100 list of college football prospects. Let's uh, see what's trending. It's brought to you by my friends at Pet Paradise. They'll be yours too. You know, Pet Paradise, the official 
um, pet care provider of, of both the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Gators. And they have locations, you know, over 50 or 60 now across the country, primarily in the south and southeast. There are eight here around Jacksonville. Uh, veterinary care are brought to you by New Day under every roof. The most modern facilities. These are pet spas where the, the love for your, you know, family member, furry family member in some cases, uh, will be matched by their expert and caring staff. So I know you love... I know you love your pets. I know we're getting to a time of year around Christmas time where, you know, you might need a little help, whether it's overnight boarding, whether you're going out of town, whether it's just play dates, maybe you need to get them groomed or, you know, or a vet appointment, whatever your reason, you can count on our friends and yours at Pet Paradise. What do we got? Number five. Former Reds pitcher, Tom Browning. Okay. Through a perfect game, I believe. Yep. That's the only thing. I don't know him, but I know he threw a perfect game. Yeah, and he well he passed away at the oh. age of sixty two. Oh man, he first of all sixty two makes me feel old. Um, second of all, I am old. Uh, third of all, Don Browning was a bulldog man. A little bull, he even looked like a bulldog. His face looked like a bulldog, and he little left handed pitcher didn't have the most overpowering stuff, but was a very good player. He was probably probably a part of that that Reds team that won the World Series. What was it in 1990, 89, 90? Um, Tom Browning, did he win a Cy Young, maybe, also? Rookie of the Year runner-up in 85. All right. Um, well, yeah, the article doesn't state, but yes, he was on the Reds. I think he was on that Reds championship team of, I believe it was 19, 1990, and um, pitched the 12th perfect game in, in Major League history against the Dodgers in 1988. Uh, yeah, he was on the World Series. He won the World Series with the Reds in 1990. Um, career earn run average uh, 3.9, so under four. Yeah, uh, an all-star in 91, uh, pitched a perfect game. Reds Hall of Famer. Yeah, that's a shame at the age of 62, Tom Browning gone. Now help me out. A perfect game. They don't even get on base? No that's, hits? No hits, no walks, no errors. Not a base runner. Like, and, you can have a no-hitter, but you, say you, your team makes two errors and you walk three guys. Or gotcha. You hit a batter. A, a perfect game, no one reaches base. Yeah, okay. 27 up, 27 down. Number four. The CDC revealed in October of 2021 that aromatherapy sprays, aromatherapy is one of my favorite scents, but this spray that's sold at Walmart, it contaminated with death, it was contaminated with deadly bacteria and it killed a five-year-old boy in Georgia and a 50-year-old woman in Kansas. Yeah, that ain't good therapy. No. Yeah, you need family therapy to get over your tragic loss. I, I don't. I just don't know in today's day and age of testing and and you know standards and how much knowledge we have chemically and otherwise. How does this happen? Uh, what is it? What you said? Aromatherapy? What yeah, it's it? like a, a, a spray, like a fragrance. You just oh, it's just the name of the fragrance. Yeah. It's not literally some like doesn't help you in any way. No, it's no, just, that, that's the name. I got you. Mm-hmm. And is it like like what you would use as like an air freshener? Yeah, like a body spray. A body spray. So it's free. Uh-huh. And they've definitely determined that they, that's what killed these that's two what people. Killed, and it killed the two, two people and, and also killed the victim's pet raccoon. <laughs> like, wait, what? Uh, who, who has raccoons as yeah. pet? But that's neither here nor there. I'm not a I'm not a fragrance wearer, are you? Oh man, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I love it. Bathroom full of it. I gotcha. You and get smart jaw and pal around together. Yeah, for real. Yeah. For real. 
Harvard names. I'm not. I tell you what. I'm not like a like some people are like opposed to fragrance wearers. There's a little bit of that out there. I don't know if you know about that subculture. No. Yeah. <laughs> they say what now? Say what? <laughs> uh, but I'm not in that category. Yeah. But I have not personally worn like cologne in my God in a lot of years. Oh. It's kind of a young man's game too. Every, every morning. Yeah. Every morning. Well, you put, smell delicious, so it's working. I put that splat on. <laughs> this that splat. Number three. I hear you. Harvard names Claudine Gay is the first black president and the second woman. Okay. Gay, who is currently a dean at the university, she'll become the president of Harvard University July 1st. All right. Well, again, that's if there was a glass ceiling there, there's another one that's been broken through. Right. Number two. Now, Jeff, people all the time, they're like, man, Jeff has to get on Twitter. Jeff has to get on Twitter. Nope. me all Jeff the time. Jeff Twitter is Jeff. I don't <laughs> Jeff's right where he wants to be. All the time. And so the, I bring that up because you probably haven't seen this story. Okay. Drake Jackson is a rookie for the 49ers. All right. They Recently, the 49ers had their rookie team dinner. Okay. The bill came out to be about $320,000. That's just the rookies eating? Wow. So I immediately knew, on. I was like, no, that's not right. All right. Because people, they don't understand, like, the rookies don't take the entire team out. Unless it's the unless you have the first overall pick. Right. And even then, they're probably not taking the entire team out. So Drake Jackson, he was a second-round draft pick. Okay. I, I've been able to attend a rookie dinner, and I know how it operates. So when I saw that it was $320,000, I was like, no, that's not right. And even if even if it was $320,000, he didn't pay that himself. The veterans, if you have good veterans, and most of these guys are good vets, they will gladly pitch in. Although they're, they're running up the checks. I've been in dinners where the players, the check comes out, like, no, nah, it's not high enough. Let's go do this. Huh. No, no, that's not high enough. So they start ordering bottles of champagne, bottles of Louis, all Just kinds of bottles. Just to stick it to whoever's sticking it, to it up. Yeah. But they always help pitch in. So Eric Armstead, he came in because it was a, it's going, it was going on. It was, it went viral on was the it internet. Sp- they were initially sticking just Drake Jackson with the bill. Yes. So, but the story is that comes out that uh, um, Armstead. It was first of all, it's the position group, so it was just a defensive line. Okay. And. It was a prank. So the bill was really $7,500. Okay. It's still a lot, but it ain't $320,000. Exactly. So $7,500. So they got with the restaurant, hey, we're pranking our guy here. Exactly. He's got to pick it up. Yeah. So the bill was $7,500. Two of the veteran vets pitched in about $2,500, and they okay. split it amongst the four rookies. So four rookies right. split $4,500. All right. Well, that's 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 $1,100. You can manage that. Right. But those those industry get quiet because the one I was at, hey, it was hey, a pretty man. check. I got to be honest with you. I'm an NFL player. I'm high profile. If you give me three hundred and twenty grand, you are about to see a dining dasher. <laughs> I'm not ready to blaze up those sneaks. You're going to see my 40 time here, gang. <laughs> number one. And number one. Hey, man. a fair point from the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures as to one of the stories we did. Someone should check on Get Smart John. We all know he bathes in aromatherapy. <laughs> Maybe a point there. The number one trending story. Apparently, there was a, a um, an earthquake, 6.4 magnitude earthquake um, in Northern Carolina this morning. Now, you think of the earthquakes as being like a West Coast, yeah. you know, um, we got happening only. They got earthquakes. Yeah, but they, you do get earthquakes. Uh, 
I don't remember, shame on me, I don't remember where we were living at the time because my family moved around a bunch. I missed the calling as a military brat, but instead my dad just kind of got in that, you know, get transferred and promoted and transferred kind of deal. So we lived kind of like traveling military. It was either Tennessee, West Virginia, or Ohio. I lived in all three, but we had an earthquake. I can remember, you know, the stories of an earthquake when we were in one of those places. And in my mind, I was like, what? No, the only earthquakes in the world are, you know, out or in the U.S. or out on the West Coast. But, yeah, they happen here on the East Coast. I think maybe here in Jacksonville through the years, there's been talks of a, uh-huh. you know, of some sort of registering. The Obviously, ground shaking. Yeah, not enough to, to make a huge difference. About 70,000 customers were without, were left without power in Humboldt County after the earthquake struck near Eureka, California. And another thing they have to worry about, which was noted that there was no threat of a tsunami in connection to the earthquake. Hey, that's one thing I do not want to deal with is a tsunami. You know, I, my, my parents, continuing with the, uh, you know, military brat theme, my parents, when I was young and single, lived in, lived in Southern California. Have you ever actually been in an earthquake? That stuff is freaky, man. Uh-huh. It ain't no lie, dude. That stuff, you know, they build it out there to code. But, I mean, hey. you're sitting in your house and all of a sudden, it, it would be the equivalent of if, like, a, if you lived under the train depot in Chicago and it just roared over your house every day and everything Ooh. shakes and stuff falls off the mantle. It's scary. The, the, the pool, you know, you should see the pool in an earthquake. It looks like, uh, it goes waves, splashing water out. It's a... It's a freaky occurrence. All right, I have this from July 17, 2016. A rare 3.7 magnitude earthquake was, was reported off the coast of Jacksonville Saturday. The epicenter of the earthquake was located over just over 100 miles east of Palm Coast and occurred after 4 p.m. Feeling the effects of an earthquake is a rarity in Florida. Scientists say Florida has felt the effects. Uh, only around two dozen seismic events. Um... Record state settlers in St. Augustine back in 1879 reported heavy shaking and knocked that knocked plaster from the walls and articles from shelves. So even this earthquake that hit in 2016, you couldn't really hear it here, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen, right? So there you have it. That's what's trending. Brought to you by Pet Paradise. Introduce you to Jaguars today. Put a wrap, a, a bow, and a wrap on this thing next. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Well, we had Sal Palantonio on with us in the 9 o'clock hour, and this is a storyline that once our season ends and we point towards the postseason and then ultimately towards Canton is going to become a bigger one. It's the second week in a row we've had a Hall of Famer voter on who's just immediate, no doubt, thumbs up on Fred Taylor. I wonder if we're... Did we just get the luck of the draw there? Are we underestimating the support that might be there for Fred even this go-around? Yeah. Uh, I've been on the get him in the room and he'll be in. Yeah. Trained for a while with Fred Taylor. It's hard to get in the room. Yeah. You he know? holds up well to the analytics. When you start mentioning yeah. that he's only one of four that's done this, one of three It's just hard to be one of those guys that's actually being discussed. I think he will room, be because he's got you know? no running back competition, really. I think, what is it, Ricky Waters, the other? Maybe? Sure. Sure, so. but to be that finalist, finalist, yeah, you know, I, and I thought even when Tony got in there, once he got in, it was like, all right, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, it took a few years, know? but yeah, you uh, got to get, you got to get to that stage. You, that, with that, Fred, I think it's that kind of thing, yeah. and I think it'll happen more quickly I for just, Fred than it did for Tony. Yeah, I just, I'm a little, you know, I don't want to say surprised because I, I, I value Fred over the, you know, looking back on the long haul, but I am surprised that so quickly and emphatically both of these guys. Oh yeah, no doubt to me. So yeah, we'll see. 
We'll see what happens. All right, what do you guys got coming up today? I see Logs is here. It's always yeah. always fun to check that tape when it's uh, resulting in wins. Whew, this is a much more fun December than sure. we've had in a while around here. So, <laughs> yeah, looking forward to going back and looking at what changed in that second half on Sunday mm-hmm. uh, for this football team. And I know I'm curious about what changed in coverage because Herndon was getting abused yeah. in the first half. And something switched in that second half what exactly was that and what does it look like going forward for this football team with no cam robinson you know a serious injury for them along the offensive line walker little having to step in now we'll discuss that as the jags are in a legit playoff push well that's that's why you know many cases you draft a guy in the second round just for for you know a situation like this Mm -hmm. now usually that that pick is more of a luxury than it was at the time that the jags made it but yeah i guess we're all glad now and it seemed and i uh, Jeff, having looked at the tape, it'll be interesting to get a better and more specific answer on this. It seemed like Walker Little played well in the time that we saw him on Sunday, so hopefully sure. that carries over. Uh, Thursday Nighter Logs obviously has that, um, you know, that experience of what it's like playing in New York and and the Jets. So we got that matchup to talk about as well. All right, Jaguars today's coming up next. Uh, Tony, Mike, and Jeff Logman, and we will see you tomorrow. That's going to do it to it for Catlin Truck Accessories uh, Tuesday signing day tomorrow, and all that entails up to date uh, from six a to. Gosh, 9 o'clock tomorrow night.